Console Crusade Podcast, featuring your hosts, Nick Durheim and EJ Olsen. All right, can we start it from the top? (laughs) (laughs) Roll it back. Okay, all right, this is the Console Crusade Podcast. I am EJ. This is Nick. This is a little addendum we're adding to a podcast that we recorded about five days ago. Hey, you don't even need to intro us. We just recorded. No, that was like three days ago. It's like right before they announced the the PlayStation thing, right? Or did we know about that? We probably knew about that. It was we knew about the PlayStation thing last week, but it was the Nintendo thing that they announced after we recorded, I believe. This is going to be at the front of the pod, so you're hearing this first. So just know that when we jump. Uh, in about half an hour, we're going to jump to... Oh, don't put it at the front. Put it at the end. Put no, we're going to put it at the front. This is the most relevant news. We're going to put it at the front. And then, because, you know, this just happened. And then we're going to get into, like, old, old shit. Ghost of Tsushima. I'll talk to my editor about this. Yeah, yeah. Your people can call my people. We'll, we'll work it out. We're here to talk <laughs> about Sony PS5 reveal. Well, it had been revealed. Price reveal, showcase. Yeah, it was just like an additional thing. Because everyone this year is just like, hey, let's not show everything at once. Let's break it out over six months to make sure everyone can forget to be excited. In the year of, of coronavirus, COVID-19, you know. No, I understand. Like, it's it's totally, like, reasonable. It just sort of sucks as, like, a person who's desperate for some, like, ray of hope. <laughs> Something to be excited about. In a capitalist society, the only joys I can muster are the ones I can buy. Okay. Right. <laughs> let's break this down first. And then, Nick, I'll let you take us through the Nintendo... The Nindy Showcase. I was excited, excited for this. We jumped into the Discord. It was you, Brendan, and I, and we were watching this. And I was like, this is it. After, you know, the Xbox thing, which, again, we broke down the whole Xbox thing. You'll hear a little bit later in this podcast. But, you know, Xbox, Microsoft kind of had me on the edge there. I was like, hey, 35 bucks a month for the Series X. I keep wanting to call it the 1X. The Series X. And... I'm like, that's more cost-effective than buying a new GPU and transitioning to PC. So I was kind of like, you know, maybe there's something there. That's that's kind of interesting. So Sony was forced after Microsoft leaked the whole thing. They, they announced this, and they came out and were trying to kind of match punches, I guess, with Microsoft. I think forced is a bit of a strong term, personally. It was always going to happen. It's not like they were just never going to announce the price. This is true. They just give us your credit card information and wait for the bill to show up. Yeah, and honestly, I'm sure Xbox wanted to show their price second. Yeah. That's why the, the, they're waiting to see who went first so that they could do their thing. That was always the, the plan. Even Microsoft having, with the leaks and forced to have shown first, I think they still really beat Sony here. And we can get into all that. But let's let's start at the top of the, of the, of the showcase. And they started with what we immediately assumed was Final Fantasy. What is this? 42? 11, I don't know. I don't even know which one this was. This was Final Fantasy 16. Do you have much experience with Final Fantasy? Because I, I really don't. I've played several of them, but not finished any of them. I don't think I've ever beaten a single Final Fantasy. It's always got like kind of a cool vibe, and I'm into JRPGs, so it's like natural to like the JRPG, but I've never, never finished one, so I'm not like enamored with the franchise. It's got really good music. They're iconic. I mean, this looked it looked good. It was more medieval. It wasn't like you know, I when I think of Final Fantasy, I think of Final Fantasy VII, or I think of what was it Crystal Chronicles that came to GameCube, and that was sort of like really sort of fantastic. Um, a weird spinoff. 
<laughs> That's kind of what I think of Final Fantasy, the dark uh, Final Fantasy Seven, sort of the dark, uh, futuristic. It's like broken up into like eras. You could really, really see like from the first Final Fantasy up until the sixth one. It was very much a like a high fantasy kind of vibe. Six is when they started really leaning into the like mech stuff and having more of a cyberpunk kind of feel to it. And then I think seven just firmly established that that's what final fantasy is. Cause that's the one that sold. So then they followed that with eight, and then nine was more of like a throwback. But then after Nomura started being the main designer over, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, Mano who did all the concept art at beforehand, you know, he's got like very like the fashion design sort of art style. If you look at the, um, character portraits and stuff from older Final Fantasy games, but they went to the new guy Nomura, and he's very much like a early two thousands hot topic kind of vibe. He's Kingdom Hearts is his like baby. That explains Final Fantasy ten. That's for sure. Exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> the big belts, it's the poofy pants, the giant shoes, it's the zippers everywhere, you know. And like that was kind of that was cool for the time, but I think it kind of overstayed its welcome. And by the time thirteen rolled around, they're trying to get all these like they're doing like product uh, deals with like chanel and like different like fashion brands and stuff which is like oh a very japanese thing to do but i think it lost a lot of like the old school final fantasy fans but who cares about them they're not the ones that made the new game sell well so they're trying to go for a more broad audience but six like 16 they showed a bit of the gameplay they showed some combat it's more single character stuff i mean 15 was very much like you're controlling noctis and you're your party is there helping you out. I don't know if you ever actually played as the other three guys in that game, but this game looks more like a, like a Bayonetta sort of character action. You know, Devil May Cry doing air combos and stuff. Final Fantasy 15 was uh, basically the boy band at the mall, and there was a car. It was, it was like present day. It was very pedestrian. Is that the one that I'm thinking of? Sure, and it went more with like an open world kind of vibe, which I think they kind of they played around with in parts of like 13 which was like the last like main rpg the main problem i have with like the numbering with final fantasy is that they did they did like two mmorpg spinoffs that are part of the naming like the numbered entries right right <laughs> and then they made uh sequels to a couple of the the final fantasies so there's a 10-2 there's a 13-2 and then a 13-3 lightning returns that's not confusing <laughs> like, just, at all it's really not that big of a deal i mean it's just once you get into the 16th numbered title in a, in a franchise, it's going to be a little bit messy, right? I wonder if this, and again, I haven't played the Final Fantasy VII Remake, but based on the gameplay, it seemed like the combat was similar in 16 to the new the new Seven Remake. Am I, am I totally off base there? I think you're totally off base on that. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, you only have like one attack button, and you're just doing that to build meter to do your your specials. And this seems more like a, a combat, like an actual combat game where you're pressing different buttons to do different attacks. Gotcha. It gave me like a like very much platinum vibes, like Near Automata or Metal Gear Rising, maybe with like some summon stuff because they did show some of the, the summons like Ifrit and Shiva, and I didn't recognize any of the other ones. But So they still have like the classic like Final Fantasy trappings and tropes, which is pretty much the only connective tissue between the titles. Like you saw Chocobos. Oh boy, there it is. Here to slow down epic remakes of the th- the theme song, you know? Yeah. But you could say the same thing about any title in a franchise they're not super invested in. Like, oh, it's that title again. But that's what people want, you know, sequels. You need to have something that uh, people recognize. Otherwise, what's the point? So at the top of this trailer, something we should note is that the developers 
let us know that this was running on a uh, PC, not on a PS5. It was, quote-unquote, emulating the experience of the PS5. Meaning they they spec'd it to the flops and the the RAM specifications of the PS5. That's important because, well, of course, this game is a PS5 console exclusive, but it is also coming to PC, as is pretty much all the other notable games that they showed, and we'll get into that, but again, neither of us are Final Fantasy guys. And knowing... Knowing Square, I mean, this is probably a 2024 game after all the delays. You know what I mean? It seems like, based on people I follow on Twitter and like different insiders and stuff, it seems like this game's been in development for a while, but they just haven't decided to show it until recently because I'm sure it had to do with marketing uh, arrangements with Sony if this is like a PS5 console exclusive and likely not coming to Xbox at all. The last Final Fantasy game outside of the remake, which was a different team right so 15 that was 2016 or 2015 15 had some development troubles and i think it changed hands a couple times well i know seven seven definitely did that was being outsourced and then they took it in-house after development got so out of hand but like that wasn't development it was like the director left and then someone else had to come in and finish it at like six months before the game came out well it worked so, out people liked that game a lot yeah, what it sold was. really well. I think it was the best-selling Final Fantasy game before. I think 7 Remake might have surpassed it. I'm not sure, just because it's been out for so much longer. That was December of 2016. Okay. That was a long time ago. Isn't that the one that had the DLC trouble where they announced all this DLC? And yeah. It took, yeah. They canceled half of the DLC because it just wasn't panning out, I guess. And People that's the problem stoked with, about it. with releasing half a game and saying the, the rest of the story comes in the DLC, and then the DLC gets canceled, and suddenly, yeah, what a wreck. What a wreck. And I wonder about that, too, because it seems like Square Enix was really, like, hyped about the episodic content, re- content release schedule. They were doing that with Hitman. They were doing that with Life is Strange. They did that with Final Fantasy. But then they <sighs> sold off Hitman to the studio and, like, set them free. Life is Strange seems like maybe they're not doing that so much anymore. They did. They just did the second one, like, end of last year. But I'm not sure how well that did. And then Don't Nod's doing other stuff. And I don't know if they're still being published by Square. Um, I don't know. But I would be happy if they went back to a standard release, especially for an RPG <laughs> yeah. like that. Just <laughs> making fucking games again, bro. Like, uh, that was Final Fantasy 16. After this, they showed what I would say is probably the most anticipated game in the sort of immediate future. And especially looking at the PS5 exclusives, they showed more of Spider Man Miles Morales exclusives that's funny because spider-man miles morales is coming to ps4 as well which is not surprising at all no it makes sense it has to they waited till just now to say that though (laughs) right well and this is after of course what's his face comes out and says Jim ryan is like we're not doing cross-gen games (laughs) right that that would be ludicrous right so (laughs) yeah what a joke oh god don't don't get me started on the pre-orders we'll bitch about that afterward but oh yeah, just a fucking train wreck. Anyway, they show Spider-Man Miles Morales and kind of gets off to a slow start because it's like you see Miles and his they're just doing the walk and talk. Right. They're 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 going about through through uh Spanish Harlem and you know, they're they're trying to show you like look at all the detail. Look at the light and the snow particles and you're like, "All right, this is a really boring way to to start this." Well, I mean, it doesn't help that they're they're streaming it and snow is like notoriously awful to show over a compressed stream like even if you're watching this at 1080p you're not getting you're not getting the desired effect so i i still haven't gone back and actually looked at the vod not that youtube compression is going to help too much with that either i will say it 
the game does look impressive. I don't say impressive like we're taking this huge leap. The game looks very nice, and it does look like a notable step up from Spider-Man PS4. There was a lot of detail, you know, showing it at night with all the lights and the snow. Like, I don't think it had the intended effect. I was just kind of bored, like, let's get to the good stuff. And thankfully, they got to the good stuff. I thought everything after the attack starts was awesome. I was I was really excited about that. They showed a whole sequence where Miles is like, you know, fighting these dudes and the and they bust the bridge down and he has to go, you know, full spider Christ and and you know Yeah, I gotta do the Jesus moment. <laughs> right, right. He holds the bridge together and he's he's getting everyone to the safe side of the bridge. The new enemies look awesome. They got this whole techie Destiny look to them and and um they look very powerful. And I'm Stretchy I'm gonna be baseball bats. <laughs> Right. I'm going to be excited to fight goons that don't just have guns or scarier guns. You don't want to fight the, th- the three enemy types, but this one's wearing a different color. This guy's got a hoodie, so I have to do my heavy attack. <laughs> I have to dodge between his legs. We got a chonker over here. No, this looks interesting. I'm like, okay, we have we have some enemy variety. They have some different powers and some different weapon types. Hopefully that'll actually translate to like... Because before... Before we saw any of this, me and, and some buddies, we had talked like, how are they going to implement Miles's powers and his sort of tech-centric vibe into doing something tangible that is different enough from Peter Parker? Because they're both, at the end of the day, they're both Spider-Men, right? They swing around, they're super strong, they got Spidey sense, uh, Miles can go invisible sometimes. I think they did a good job of showing, they showed the stealth elements. He went invisible once, I don't know how that works with stealth, that was just sort of a combat trick. Fair enough. You could almost see it being a thing where they could either implement it in a really cheesy way, or they could have decided not to implement it, and that, kind of how they did in uh, Spider-Verse, where it was like you couldn't really do it, and it was more of a punchline than it was crucial to the story. And I'm like, oh, they, they could have done something like that, and Peter's trying to teach him, whatever. But it's like, oh, no, yeah. he it's there it is, right in your a face. A year after the first game. So I didn't realize it was a year after. That's important to note. Where's Peter Parker? It's a year later. He's He went to go get cigarettes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's horrible. Honestly, though, I hope... I always hate this with superhero movies. Like, in Winter Soldier, spoiler alert, S.H.I.E.L.D. is collapsing from within, quite literally, by the end of the movie. The entire, you know, Triskelion is literally collapsing. And you're like, um, doesn't Tony Stark live four blocks down? Where the fuck is Iron Man? Well, Captain America's having bombs dropped on him. He's hanging out with Elon Musk again. Well, apparently, dude, he's on the bottom of the ocean in a submarine or something. You know, doing something billionaires do. No, that's James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) Tony Stark was making Avatar 6. (laughs) <laughs> canon <laughs> but like that leap in logic right that suspension of disbelief where i'm like we just came off of like the biggest superhero crossover of all time in the avengers movie and suddenly the entire world is exploding and some guy with a slick back haircut and a shield is doing it by himself oh wait no he's got black widow the other fucking useless superhero they have two options with miles morales they either are going to address it and be like, oh, Peter Parker's doing this thing over here, or they're just going to ignore it and hope that you ignore it. That would be bad. If they want to come out and say, oh, Peter Parker's, you know, he's uh, out in San Francisco right now. No, it's going to be a throwaway line like like Genki's going to talk to Miles be like, hey, where, where's Pete? And be like, oh, man, he's doing this thing over here. And then it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Right at the very beginning, that's going to happen. Like, you're going to be like doing some tutorial mission and be like, 
Oh man, I wish Peter was here. I'm I'm so sad that he's off in Europe hanging out with his best bud who's revived from his green ooze bath. Hey, that would <laughs> yeah, that would be if if they set something up, I hope we get Miles and Peter interacting. And if this is like the first time Peter's gonna be gone and it's sort of like, all right, Miles, like this is your like this is your city while I'm gone. This is up to you if anything goes wrong. I could see that being like an ending mission where you and uh Peter Parker Spider Man team up and do some cool shit. That would be very cool. I I love the Peter Parker Black Cat team up in the DLC, and I think it could be really fun. Oh, already has a team up, then it's guaranteed. They've already implemented team ups. Yeah, it's in the code. Yeah, (laughs) it's in the code. Um, I I think that'd be really interesting. I just hope it's meaningful because at the end of the first game, you know, I mean, the whole game is setting up this relationship between Peter and Miles, right? And I gotta say, I was surprised when Miles got powers at the end of it. I didn't think they were gonna do it so quickly, and I'm glad they did. So. That seems really important to this character. I don't want it to overshadow Miles uh, because he is his own character in the comics. But this version of the character, him and Peter's relationship is important. So I don't think Peter needs to come in and like be the main focus, but that relationship needs to have a meaningful impact on the story, I think. Especially a story that's only a few hours long, supposedly. I hope they find a way to, to put that in there. So yeah, the whole cutscene looked great. I mean, it, it looked like Spider-Man, and I'm really excited to play it. I don't know. What did you think? You didn't play Spider-Man PS4, correct? That is correct. Uh, I don't really, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm not going to play this game. I don't care. Fair enough. All right. Uh, the fact that it's coming to PS4 makes total sense from a you know a fiscal perspective. Like they they want to sell copies of this, but sure, I'm sure this was DLC that got expanded out and decided to be sold for fifty dollars. I mean, uh, we should talk about like, the value proposition of this game because it's kind of. I thought this would be like a $40 title and I wonder if this game is bigger than we assume because of that or if people are just going to think it's bigger than they assumed and then be upset that it isn't. So bear in mind when looking at a $50 price tag that next-gen games are going to be sold for $70, not $60. So this is $20 less than what a typical next-gen game is likely going to cost. Right, but it's not a it's not two-thirds of the price, you know? That's true, but but I'm just trying to get that sort of loose equation out of my head because I know things are changing. You know, controllers are 70 bucks now, games are 70 bucks now. And also Sony is very uh forthcoming with sales pretty soon after the game comes out. Like I remember the Ultimate Edition or whatever of uh Horizon Zero Dawn that came with the DLC by November was $30. And that game came out in February. <laughs> so by the time summer rolls around next year, like you could easily pick up this game for 20 bucks. Calling it now. Or they might not put it on sale for a lot longer because they don't have a huge library of games that people are going to be picking up. Like, hey, this is like the best, biggest, newest game that we've got until other stuff comes out. Yeah, until next year, this time. I'm disheartened that it's coming to PS4 just because I was looking for that one one reason that I needed to get a PS5 and that this would make itself meaningful and relevant as a console right away. And as we'll see as we go through the rest of this or these announcements, uh, I don't think it is, and it didn't do that successfully. Um, the next game they showed is Hogwarts Legacy, a Harry Potter prequel. I guess. Is Knights of the Old Republic a prequel to Star Wars? <laughs> I mean, it is in the sense that it's in the same universe. And, it, and it's before it, it. It's before it. It's a prequel. But it's not like... <laughs> there are Jedi. So, this takes place in the 1800s, right? I, mean, I Wait, guess. And here's the problem with that. <laughs> no, actually, hey, it's a prequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Technically, yes. 
the the problem with this, and listen, the game looks fine. It looks like they didn't show any gameplay. I don't know what the game looks like. I know that they they modeled characters and they don't look like hot trash. And there's cool staircases moving around. They got like good design elements, and I like the the I don't know the costuming. The the the, the cutscene did not look spectacular. Like it looked like an older it game, like in game like in engine stuff. So I'm fine right. with that. I'd rather sure. see in engine cutscene work than just like some blur video. You know. It looked like stuff happening at Hogwarts. I have a lot of questions. I'm like, I want to see more. I want to know what the gameplay is, what the what the layout of the the not, I don't really care. What's the story? What do I? Who am I? What am I doing? I right. want to know what I'm doing. Right. Because it looked like there's you're fighting some some things. Really fighting people. I don't remember if you're fighting a person. I just remember f- there's some skeleton boys and a, and a dragon there's some and a skeletons. troll. There's the you know the dementors. There's yeah, a dragon. There's a big troll. I don't know what the fuck's boy. happening here. There's a troll. Yeah, trolls in, I think there's a spider. The thought you should know. You you oh should yeah, know. spiders. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kill a unicorn and drink its blood <laughs> to revive myself. <laughs> Turn into a dark lord. Yeah, we were watching it. Uh, Brennan actually mentioned that it looked a lot like Fable, and like, yeah, totally. But also British wizards and stuff. That's part of the territory, right? Speak of the goddamn fucking devil, bro. <laughs> Literally, as he said oh. his fucking name, he oh. fucking calls me. Okay, I'm going to get Brennan live on the podcast. Bear with me. Big boy. I swear to God, not half a second after Nick mentioned you live on the podcast right now, you called me. I mean, literally, as he says your name, it popped up in my peripheral. Hell yeah, you're live on the podcast. Welcome to the Concert Crusade. Anyway. I did cop a PS5 pre-order from Target this morning. Cool, man. Yeah, buddy. All right, bud. I'll talk to you soon. Sorry for the interruption. So Brennan was calling me because yesterday he and I were both trying to get PS5 pre-orders and I couldn't get one anywhere. I kept missing it by just a few minutes by the time I saw the announcement. He ended up getting one, but then he got selected to order one from Sony. So he was going to get me one, but then I, I got one. Fucking Sony with their artificial scarcity bullshit. Who do they think they are? Nintendo? Right, God. right. They, they, they do this where they trickle out. They tell stores, hey, you're going to have 5,000 units to sell. Not that FOMO. Well, I mean, the GameStops are like, people are saying, oh, yeah, our GameStop's only getting 12 physical and four digital. And they're only selling them as like, you know, their ridiculous bundles. Right. Quote unquote bundles where it's like, oh, this, <laughs> okay, you can buy this, but it comes with six games and two controllers and a fucking iPad. Right. It comes 17 with a, Funkos. a fucking boost mobile subscription. Boost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway. You're the blue dot. I'm the red dot. <laughs> boost. Back, back to Harry Potter. Oh, they don't have cell phones in Harry Potter. Here's my, here's my thing with it. If they're going to do a prequel or set this in the same universe in, in a, a, you know, same timeline. I'm curious as to how they're going to make, how are they going to make something meaningful without impacting Canon? I know that's a dumb thing to maybe think about, but like you're only a f- couple of decades removed from two of the worst evil wizards of all time in Grindelwald and Voldemort. So if they had gone back a thousand years, not much of Hogwarts would have changed in a thousand years or whatever, but you could have done something Way more meaningful with a more overarching sort of baddie that could have spun off for sequels, whatever. But now you're like, isn't Dumbledore like 
probably 12 years old in this game somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? It's not that far back. Well, I mean, bad things happen all the time. You know, like the Civil War was what, the 1860s? I'm going to show my lack of knowledge of history, but then like World War II, like the 40s, World War One was the 19-teens, like every 50 years. Sure. Every 30, but, 50 years. But my point is, those things are, are <laughs> massive, monumental, like world-shaping events. Yeah, but then there's also stuff that like we're not super aware of, like the troubles with Ireland and stuff. Like how much did you learn about that in your history class? My man, if anything meaningful happens at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft or Wizardry in this game, and we didn't hear about it through fucking seven books and five spinoffs and God knows what, where are the stakes? It's gonna, I'm going to be very curious to see how they make anything feel other than you know just something menial and like, all right, I'm going to go kill skeleton boys in the forest. Like I don't care about that. I want something meaningful. I don't really hold prequels to that kind of scrupulation. As I know words, um, I don't know. Why did they mention midichlorians in the in the original trilogy if they're going to bring that up in the prequels? That's bullshit. Where was the Jedi Council? How come they didn't talk about there being a Jedi Council? How come, you know, Yoda didn't tell Luke about that? Or Obi-Wan, old Ben Kenobi. How come he didn't recognize C-3PO? <laughs> the, that, the difference in that is that, A, George Lucas is a schmuck, and he, you know, he went back and was, you know, an idiot when he wrote the prequels. But that's that's why you look at someone like Dave Filoni, who takes the prequels and the original trilogy, and he bridges that together, and he answers those questions when he's writing his own canon. He fills that, and he says, "Why wasn't this mentioned? Why wasn't? Why haven't we heard of this person? Why haven't we explored this arc?" And he finds these little gaps in the logic where he, f- he can fit things in a meaningful way. And I'm not saying it can't be done here. I'm just saying it's just like talk about gapping bridges of logic with JK Rowling. We could talk for another hour, but well, that's the thing is JK Rowling's real hot topic right now. You know, she's writing books about trans people getting killed, but I don't I don't know the whole thing. She is apparently a total turf. I don't know if she's even a turf because I don't know if she's a feminist, but she's definitely uh, (laughs) under some scrutiny at this point. Yeah, under some scrutiny, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. (laughs) And and this is not, you know, this game. I saw someone tweet about this today. Someone was like, this game's been in development for half a decade. You aren't supporting J.K. Rowling. You're supporting this industry and these other people who have poured their lives into it for so long. And I can see where that disconnect is in in, in this case. Um, you know, it's not like, well, I'm buying J.K. Rowling's new book. Well, it's, I'm not supporting her. I'm just buying her new book. Like this is different. Like she's already seen the money from 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 the the rights to this franchise being divvied out to this company, right? It's not like you're putting more cash in her pocket. Don't want to give 10 cents to the billionaire. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I'm on board with that. Like Harry Potter can still hold a special place in our hearts as something we enjoyed as children, something we probably neither of us have really revisited as adults. And we can enjoy this game if it's good or if it's just, you know, Harry Potter Avengers, then neither of us will play this game, but we're, we're talking about it on a podcast. They've already won. <laughs> They've won our mind share. Yeah. The most valuable currency. You know, it's funny to look back, and I know Harry Potter's become such a joke, um, but dude, what a monumental part of our childhood, you know, that that franchise. I don't know how many they times I read those kids books. to read. Yeah, I mean, I read the first book when I was six years old. I think I've told you this before, but I remember reading it as a six, six-year-old kid, and I vividly remember this scene at the end where there was this line where it says, you know, Harry's waking up from 
you know, having been knocked out by old Voldy to begin or at the very end of the first book. And there's a line that says Dumbledore's head swam into focus or, or floated into view or something. And I literally, as a six year old, imagined and you're going to fucking die when you hear who I imagine Dumbledore as. I imagine literally just a floating head above Harry. Like he's hallucinating. He's on this fucking acid trip. And I always envisioned as a six year old until the movie came out, I always envisioned Dumbledore as being. Hey, Arnold's grandpa <laughs> with, the, with the bald head and the penis chin and the fucking one tooth. The, the like, weird cone on the his cone. head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so to this day, I still always remember. Old, that was the oldest character in relevant media for you at that point. <laughs> Seriously. I'm Dumbledore. Okay. All right, dude. That's always stuck with me. But that's good. Let's move on to. The next, this is the part where I was checking Twitter for reactions because I didn't give a fuck about anything they showed. And they started off this whole section with Call of Duty, Black Ops Cold War, the Cold War, the war that didn't happen to make a whole game about it. Yeah, I'm sure all of the hardcore left wing people that we follow on Twitter are going to have a lot of hot takes about them talking about the Iran Contra <laughs> debacle in a Call of Duty. Hoorah boots on the ground i will say i was pretty out of it until they fucking go to snipe that guy and it blasts through the one dude's head and it misses the other guy and that's when i was like oh shit it's going down yeah it turned into an action movie well it's the one thing about call of duty games they're super they're pop they're popcorn flicks dude right right and, and i say like historically not having any context for a call of duty game since at least 2015 but the single player modes were always exceptional they were always quality and then when they started moving towards multiplayer and online multiplayer and then now with the the battle royale you know i'm glad that it's back they had a few without any single player campaign then they brought it back and people were happy without a single player campaign oh is it just one yeah and they were working on one but it it got canceled internally but warzone has taken off in popularity well yeah it's free (laughs) i'm sure they'll keep it around and just implement a new black ops stuff into it because they initially announced uh, the new Black Ops inside of Warzone, like it was like an achievement thing. They're trying to do the Fortnite, you know, in-game advertising for the next game kind of thing. The multiplayer alpha is available on PS4 starting tomorrow. Demo's going to demo. Uh, they showed more of Resident Evil 8 Village. Cool, looks spoopy. If you're into survival horror, this game is for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely more because like 7 was like very American horror of being inside this strange family's house and there being insects that were like inside them and like moldy kind of very gross not very zombie-ish and this one looks like straight up castles and transylvania vibes very much more reminiscent of resident evil 4 where you're going through the the was it the los plagas los plagos in the spanish village countryside and then you go into the castle so very cool vibes. I'm more interested in this one than the last few. Definitely. Yeah. Probably not going to play either way. After this, they showed death loop, which is no longer a, a launch title, which at one point it was slated to be, um, slated to 2021 quarter two. Yeah, I think first half. Yeah. Q2. Yeah. So this game, I'd be curious to get your take on this. I said in the chat yesterday, I think this looks like payday two meets borderlands. And then Brandon said like some of the powers look like uh, dishonored. It's dishonored. It's Dishonored, but with a different coat of paint on it. Yeah. They're, it's weird that they're going for more of like the, the schlocky kind of humor, but I guess that kind of plays into the, the 70s sort of exploitation vibe that they've got going on with like the whole oeuvre of this right. game is very funk, you know, very 70s. 
and then just the whole like time loop thing. Is this like a multiplayer thing? I don't think they've uh, mentioned any multiplayer. There potentially could be some like sort of drop in, drop out kind okay. of antagonist multiplayer because they have the whole thing where there's another assassin trying to assassinate you before you assassinate the targets that you're trying to assassinate during your time loop shenanigan. But it definitely seems more like a Hitman puzzle box kind of thing than a Dishonored would be, which was more of a here's your mission, go do the level kind of thing, where each individual level was its own sort of puzzle. But I know people really love those games and love that studio, so I'm sure this will be exciting for those people. But from from my perspective, yeah, I kind of got that Borderlands. The payday sort of thing was more of like uh, had such kind of a low quality kind of vibe to it. Like the character models and like the animations were very like stilted and like juddery. And I don't know if that's intentional or if it was just like early like gameplay kind of footage, but it didn't really uh, didn't sing for me. Yeah. I I feel like this is a game that's going to be really hurt by not being a launch title and not being one of the first few games that people are going to feel compelled to buy. Oh sure. This could have been like a rise son of Rome, which probably sold way more copies just because it was the first game that came out. Right. After that, they showed uh, Demon Souls, which I'll let you kind of speak on this because I don't really, you know, I'm not a Souls guy, but it looked it looked good. It's hard to really gauge based on video, like it's it's much of much of a feel thing with these games. And I've never played Demon Souls, so I can't really uh, gauge how it feels or looks compared to the original because I don't I don't know I couldn't a b it unless I watched like a YouTube video of someone doing a side by side comparison. But it looks really nice. Yeah, the, the trailer was kind of funny, or the it wasn't a trailer, as you pointed out the other day. It was gameplay. Gameplay demo. But it was just, there was like no music, there was nothing happening, you're just kind of following this guy That's for a, a long while. It was weird, though, because clearly the guy was over-leveled because he was one-shotting dudes while they were blocking, and like, that does not happen in a Souls game, what's going on here? And they had <laughs> yeah. the UI turned off, so you came and see his health, and then he like died to the boss on purpose, and then the you died text popped up, and the text was really gross, it was really bad text. And that's like the only thing that like I saw, and I was like, what the fuck were you doing here? That's important, you need that vibe of it just chunking down, you died. You died. And see, it was kind of cartoony, bitch. you know? <laughs> it was kind of goofy. Yeah, like, the, the you had a tail on it. You it was died! Like, it was this hey. like weird, fake kill Celtic font going on here, right? Ugh. Uh, it looked like a Souls game to me. It was silky smooth. If it if it runs, I mean, a Souls. There's never been a Souls game that ran well on console. Not on console. <laughs> yeah, it's always like struggling to hit thirty on console. So if this hits sixty, that'd be super nice. Bloodborne was a goddamn abortion on PS4. It was, it was a mess. It was a bit of a mess. I wish I could play that game on PC. Oh my god. Yeah, bud. What the? Yeah. What did the combat? Did anything? stick out to you as being I mean I know there's not a lot to go on but did it look different than the Souls games did it look closer to Bloodborne or, or is there any was there anything you could glean from that not a single thing I think the guy did a, a couple dodges in a, the boss fight I didn't see a single parry I saw some shielding I saw some dudes with faces that, that they be glowing but I'm not familiar enough with Demon's Souls to know like what the discrepancies are between that and Dark Souls 1 I'm assuming it's Similar. I mean, it's got the souls in the name. Right. I imagine Demon Souls is just Dark Souls like 1.5 or 0.5 or whatever. It's it's this is a direct predecessor to the Souls, uh the, the Dark Souls franchise. So I imagine it's gonna be closer to that unless they like totally revamp it, but I imagine they're trying to be faithful to the original game. I imagine it'll feel familiar to you. I've always felt like that 
uh, Demon Souls is the eco to Dark Souls is Shadow of the Colossus. Okay. Where one of them gets all the talk and all the shine and maybe Demon Souls just isn't as good of a game. So it like I guess that makes it an even better candidate for being remade because you can do more with it, but will the people want more to be done with it because I feel like FromSoft fans in general are very particular and do not want things changed. So are they trying to go for a wider audience or are they trying to be as faithful to the original as possible? I feel like Blue Point has a track record of being very faithful to the original. So if that's the case, then I, I could see this game selling pretty well and then people not liking it that much because they didn't do enough to make the quality of life improvements that they would expect from a remake of this visual improvement. Like if it looks this much better, then people sort of get their expectations up that it should play differently too. Right. And something, something that we should note, and I think this will sort of play into what we can expect from this new game is Demon Souls was released in 2009. Yeah. Dark Souls was, was barely two years later in 2011. So I can't imagine that between Demon Souls and Dark Souls much changed. I think of any, I think of anything, the combat is going to be very, very familiar and they'll probably do what a lot of games do with the remasters, whether you're looking at Tony Hawk or freaking Spyro or any remaster is they, they have really minor quality of life improvements in things like UI and move sets. Like it's going to probably feel closer to the last Dark Souls game. Um, and how big of a difference is there between Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 3? Is it like a massive gap or is it just sort of incremental and logical improvements? I guess it depends on what you think is massive, obviously. But for me, yeah, I think it's a huge difference between 1 and 3. The the, the systems that they implemented as far as uh, there's something called poise that they have in all the games that basically gives you... Um, armor so that you can be hit by enemies and then not get staggered by it but in dark souls 3 they changed it so that you only have poise active when you're attacking so if it allows you to attack through things but you're you're still getting like chonked over by like the shittiest little rats and stuff like that and then there's things where you can uh you can only roll in the four cardinal directions in dark souls 1 while you're locked on but in dark souls 3 i think they changed that to uh eight directions which I think they first implemented in Bloodborne. So they took a lot from what they did in Bloodborne and sort of retrofit that into the Dark Souls formula and made it a little bit more swingy and less uh, plotting and reliant on uh, parries. I think they wanted Bloodborne to be the parry system because you don't really have any uh, shields in that game and you're very much rewarded for being aggressive and like getting your health back. But with Dark Souls, that's never really been the focus. It's always been more finding your opportunity to attack and taking your opportunity to attack and hoping that your attack frames don't slow you down too much. And it's very much a, you have to commit to everything you're doing. Sure. So I'm assuming that since this is the first of those games and that it's only gotten more forgiving with that sort of thing, that this is going to be even less forgiving than even dark souls one was. And there's a lot of like strange bullshit in dark souls one. Yeah, I imagine the biggest change for people going back to play this game who never played it, and I'm imagining most people who are going to be buying this have never played Demon's Souls. The biggest thing is going to probably be enemy variation in design and level world design. I think that's going to be the biggest hurdle for people. I think those are the things they could change the least. 
Though, yeah, they're not going to change. Like, yeah, the, the level design is going to be exactly what I remember, and that's going to be a hurdle for people because they're like, oh, this is 10-year-old, 12-year-old game design. I hope they are smart about what they choose to implement from newer games, because I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will probably have a, a more free range of dodging, and like the iframes are a lot more forgiving in newer games, and there's uh, better systems with like rings, which are, you know equipments that give you uh buffs to certain things like there's rings that give you more invincibility during rolls or make you roll further or you know give your attacks more poise or give you higher defense all that kind of stuff but like the newer games you get equipped like four and the the in dark souls one you could only equip two and there was like there was a ring that if you equipped it once you unequipped it it broke and you couldn't use it anymore oh so there's like there's cool stuff like that where it really makes you like think about what you're doing and like you can't just be like mashing buttons through it or else you're going to get punished. And that is, you know, a tenet of of a Souls game. It's tough to it's tough to try and predict because I'm sure being a launch game, this is confirmed as a launch game, which they did not confirm in the stream, which was weird. But as of right now, it is a launch title. Yeah, it would have been nice if they said at the beginning what the launch date and price was and then from there on show games and then give like at launch, or even to say at launch, just say at launch. Don't say holiday. Just say at launch. Right. What the hell? Well, <laughs> they got to put it in the f- the fine print afterward or in the press releases afterward because so much of this is subject to change based on you know the economy, based on COVID restrictions, and yada yada yada. Whatever. Well, I mean, the trailer they they even uploaded, they fucked up and said that it was coming to PC too. So it's like they really were like a lot of people were dropping a lot of balls. Is this not this coming to PC? Too. Or do they? It's not coming to PC. They confirmed it is not. You know, some shitty editor was like tasked with making all these trailers and like cutting together the little pre-roll and post-roll stuff, and they just copy and pasted the the wrong post-roll. I also wonder if they it is confirmed for PC, but they want it to seem like an exclusive for the first year. The next year it'll drop on PC. Like, eh, you never know. Well, I mean, that's possible. I mean, everything's exclusive until it isn't. Sure. the The thing that got me the most excited about this showcase is PlayStation's answer to Xbox Game Pass. And I think there's a lot of potential here. They showed something called the PlayStation Plus Collection. 60 bucks a month, usually on sale for less than that. And it gives you online, it gives you uh, access to the PS Plus free games. 60 bucks a year. You said 60 bucks a month. Sorry, 60 bucks a year, yeah. Not a lot of value there at 60 bucks a month, let me tell (laughs) you. I don't know why I'm still paying it. (laughs) (laughs) So the PlayStation Plus Collection, uh, it was described as a PlayStation Plus benefit for PS5. Okay. Right. So it's not it's not for every PS Plus subscriber. It's only for PS5 owners with PS Plus. Correct. Which I think is a important distinction. Right. It's not a, a streaming service. It is just like Games Pass where you you download from this collection of games. So confirmed exclusive games for this collection so far. The new God of War, Last of Us Remastered, Uncharted 4, Battlefield 1 which was not an exclusive, obviously, but uh, Monster Hunter World, Fallout 4, Final Fantasy uh, 15, Last Guardian, Ratchet & Clank, Infamous Second Son, Days Gone, Bloodborne, Detroit, Batman, Arkham Knight, Mortal Kombat X, Persona 5, Until Dawn, and Resident Evil Biohazard. That is a very strong start to an answer to Microsoft. And if they can actually continue to build that, and if they can get all of their PS4 exclusives um, that aren't getting direct uh, upgrades for PS5. If they can get the rest of those in there, and they can actually start pulling things like The Witcher and things like you know, well, GTA is confirmed for the new console, but games like that, big AAA games from four, five, six years ago that people still want to play. 
That is awesome. That is spectacular. I think it's possible that they get The Witcher. I mean, it's The Witcher is currently on Game Pass. Right, right. So I'm sure they would have to wait until that that rolls out of it because I'm sure part of the deal with getting on one of these subscription services is to be exclusive to it for a set amount of time. Otherwise, defeats the purpose of having a, a service, right? Well, and that's what PlayStation has going for them is, hey, if you can get all your games on here, which there's no reason you can't, you know, that adds a lot of value to people at the beginning of the console generation. They're like, hey, I never got a PS4 or I'm still, you know, I'm on a launch day PS4 and I didn't play a lot of these exclusives. Now upgrading, you have this huge library on release date. I guess. I think Game Pass is a much better deal because not only because you're getting uh, more games, but you're also getting uh, first party games at the time that they launch. Sony is not going to be doing that. You're not playing Miles of Morales with your PS Plus subscription, there's no way they'd be giving it out that cheap. You're not going to be playing any of their new games. Uh, it's all stuff that's two plus years old. Consider though that the Microsoft Games Pass for like their top tier is uh, how much? Twenty five bucks a month? No, their most expensive one is fifteen a month. That's what they just upgraded the base subscription to, right? They they up their five dollar a month up to ten for PC. Oh, is that what it was? Okay, yeah, it was five bucks a month, dude. It was five dollars a month yeah well i'm canceling mine now that i'm paying uh if i'm gonna pay ten dollars a month but fifteen dollars a month and yeah you're getting some of those benefits and that gives you game pass on pc game pass on xbox game pass on your phone with streaming uh ps plus gives you this on your playstation that's it it's also a part of that 50 or 60 dollars a year so it's a lot cheaper you know and it's they have more ps uh, plus subscribers there's a reason why this isn't part of ps now and i'm assuming they're going to be killing ps now eventually hopefully yeah streaming i don't think streaming is the future uh not the immediate future of games that ps now is not even all streaming like you can download games that run natively on the console oh can you see i didn't know that because nobody fucking uses ps now yeah that's why they're rolling this into ps plus and uh, i'm I'm assuming that they're going to be beefing that up and then giving you a more expensive way to pay into that if you want newer games like I, i could see them doing a $5 a month and you get this instant collection thing or you could do $10 a month and get new games that come out like new first party games coming out and that kind of thing. I could see them tempted to be trying that out if they if they see the the service route being the route they want to take. But at the same time they see really huge launch month numbers and I think Microsoft was not seeing those huge numbers anymore so they decided, "Hey, we got to get our money somehow." And that's what Game Pass started. If they had come out and said, yeah, 15 bucks a month for this, that would have been ridiculous. But because this is part of a service that I've been paying for, for... Why would you be excited about it? You already own all those games. Oh, I own half of those games. Well, you own the half that you wanted. <laughs> I mean, there are games on here that I would I would play that I don't currently own. Like Mortal Kombat? Final Fantasy 15? Well, I own Mortal Kombat. Resident Evil? Persona, I finally try. Days Gone, I would consider playing. Fallout? You know, I don't have an Xbox anymore, and Fallout's not on the PC Games Pass. So, oh, maybe I'm going to play a fucking Fallout game. You know, so there's value there. I was postulating, I was like, oh, are these going to, like, have unlocked frame rates, or are they just going to be exactly, basically, PS4 ports? Well, when they showed it, they said, the the little small text at the bottom was saying, showing in PS4 Pro performance mode or whatever. So anything that got a a better, because it's all PS4 games, right? Yeah. So it's uh, anything that got a, a patch to let it do better with PS4 Pro. I'm assuming that not a lot of these devs are going to be doing much to make these games better on PS5. Bethesda would rather sell you Skyrim again than work on, what was it, Fallout 4, I'm guessing? Fallout 4, yeah. Yeah. So then after the, the PlayStation Collection thing, 
they revealed prices, which is as we speculated for quite a while, four ninety nine for the disc version and three ninety nine for the discless version. And of course, this comes on the heels of Xbox announcing that the Series X is four ninety nine, same price for more performance out of the Xbox Series X, or two ninety nine, a hundred dollars less than the discless version um, for a discless Xbox, less powerful. But something that that we should know when we talk about this is that it is not the difference between the Series X and the One S, or sorry, the, the Xbox One X or the One S. It's that's it's not that kind of disparity. If what they're saying is actually true, nobody needs an Xbox Series X. If you're getting the same performance, right, same graphical fidelity and the same frame rate, and the only difference is what your output resolution is. Well, you could argue that that's part of graphical fidelity, right? I mean, you're not getting less polygons, but you're getting lower texture quality. I'm not sure if the, I don't know if these games are going to be running the same on the Series S as they are on the Series X. I am skeptical. Yeah, because just the, the raw power difference between the two from a from a GPU perspective is a huge leap. I mean, this thing is less powerful than the, the One X is. So I'm I'm wondering how they're gonna how they're gonna manage that. Like clearly they have a better CPU than the, the base series or the X Xbox One and a better CPU even than the One X I would imagine. And like the RAM capabilities are different from the two also they're still doing this weird staggered RAM, so it kind of makes it hard to see like how that would actually work. Like there's different speeds of RAM for different processes and stuff, and I'm sure some of it's dedicated to you know the OS and stuff like that. But it's a very strange uh, system, and I I don't really have a good way to look at the the spread of like what's in these things and say, oh yeah, this is definitely a stronger system. Oh yeah, this this uh, this can definitely run the same games, but just at a lower resolution. Or if you look at actual PCs, and I look at something like playing The Witcher on my GTX 1080 graphics card uh, with a really nice CPU, playing it at 1080p, I can max it out with all the bells and whistles, and I can play at a locked 60 frames per second. But if I were to play, and that's on my 1080p TV, if I were to play that at 4K, I'd have to drop it all to medium. Displaying four times the pixels is a huge, it's a monumental task. Based on the technical specs and based on what Xbox is saying, it's perfectly reasonable to assume that all the games will run identically and the only difference will be is is you're outputting either at true 4K or true 1080 or 1440. And that's, again, perfectly fine. Nobody needs to put out a 4K television. No one's playing this on a high-end monitor. They're playing either on a cheap 4K 60 hertz TV or they're playing on an old 1080p TV or a, or a you know, a smaller monitor. The difference between 1080p and 4K television at 10 feet away, 8 or 10 feet away in your living room, it's like imperceptible. Unless you have a really high-end TV that has all the other bells and whistles that most people don't have. But if you have a, like I have a TCL 4K TV, like a series, uh, six series or something, and I have this behind me as a Vizio, it was a higher-end 1080p TV back in 2015, but this almost looks better. It doesn't have HDR, it's a five-year-old 1080p TV. So for me, if you're looking at the two, and again, this totally hinges on what Xbox is saying, if all of the games actually give you the same frame rate and same performance without, you know, the difference between a PS4 game and a PS4 Pro game, there's a big leap there in both performance and fidelity, you know, or you turn the shaders up and you turn your, your anti-aliasing up and you have more vegetation, yada, yada, yada. But if the difference between the Series S and the Series X is only the resolution, the Series S is a outlandishly desirable piece of tech in my eyes. That is a very strong value proposition. And I think Sony 
they had an opportunity where they could have really just said, "All right, let's take a let's take a big loss, but let's fuck Microsoft." If they would have made the diskless version of of the PS5 th- uh, two ninety nine, you just completely pulled the rug out from underneath the Xbox Series S because the Xbox Series X is more expensive, and that's fine. But if they had come out and said two ninety nine and even four forty nine. Like even if they did a hundred and fifty dollar difference on that disc version, that would have been huge. I think they're already operating at a loss with this discless version, though. I'm sure they and are. They'll I think recoup. They're just that. hoping that people are, you know, going to be dedicated to a digital library so they can recoup their losses. They're gonna have to be. I think. I think Xbox and Microsoft uh, missed an opportunity to sell the Series S with a disc drive because I think the kind of person who buys a cheaper console is also the kind of person who's going to be more dedicated to physical media. For longer also i think that could have been a smart play but i don't know i'm not an analyst these disc drives don't cost that much you know they're like 30 bucks at cost you know so they wouldn't be they wouldn't be losing money if they put a well, disc drive not in there. even i don't know how crammed it is in there either but i got a freaking blu-ray drive for my pc five years ago for 19 bucks my power is flickering here because uh we have a lightning thunderstorm going on outside so i'm trying to tell if I lost power and all my lights and computer are currently running my battery backup or if it just flickered. <laughs> Everything's still running off of my battery backup. So I think we're good right now. Um, How long is your battery backup last? Uh, half an hour. An hour. Yeah, okay. Half an hour. Let's, on my, it, let's make it quick. Yeah, it will be quick. Here. Last thing Sony did was uh, they announced a new God of War sequel. Mm. That's apparently supposed to come out next year. <laughs> Whether or not that happens is... <laughs> <laughs> very much up in the air oh that's rich that's rich it's funny we'll check this game out in 2024 maybe keep in mind the last god of war was also uh was that delayed i feel like it was i don't think it was i think they just put off announcing the date for god of war up until like two months before it came out i think they announced the date in like february and then it came out in april there also wasn't any level of hype like this because this was like the 19th god of war game and no one knew it was going to be such a monumental like video games achievement you know so it wasn't like sure i always thought it looked really cool from the get-go i don't know i think the last couple god of wars were very milk toast yeah oh yeah i mean god of war the whole formula is very ps2 era yeah it's it's a bloody bloodier zelda but with the camera pulled out further yeah showing off the power of the ps2 that was that was a really cool tech showcase for that that console as a franchise it was not like the top echelon of like, yo, this is what PS, this is what Sony PlayStation is all about. And they just, with one title, cement to themselves in there, which I think is a huge achievement. And I thought that game was really good. That was a really good ass game. Yeah. People, people love that game. And, you know, this, of course, won't come out in 2021. Not if it's a full fledged sequel, but, but I mean, if you think about it, if it does, like 2021 is going to be a big year for Sony. If that and Horizon come out same year. Well, Horizon's coming to PS4, which is another ridiculous thing. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> the press release after this after the the conference or the showcase or whatever it's like oh yeah you know all those ps5 games you're stoked about psych (laughs) and the same people that were like giving shit to microsoft being like why would i get an xbox series x if all these games can play on my xbox one it's like well the same reason you're getting a ps5 you stupid bitch (laughs) (laughs) well okay listen i'm guilty of this you want to play it on your 4k tv because we're games enthusiasts right well, here, here's here's where I'm at with looking at the next gen. I have a I have a capable PC, but an outdated GPU at this point 
perfectly serviceable for 1080p gaming. I don't know how it'll handle something like Cyberpunk, which I think I want to play on console anyway. But, you know, I, I, I'm not ready to let go of the console life. If PlayStation exclusives are going to come to PC as well, I, I just want that PlayStation experience, I think. And there's really no viable reason for that. I could just go spend five, 700 bucks on a new GPU and just be a full-time PC gamer. But I'm like, you know, I want to unwrap that console and I want to hook it up in my front room and I want to play the PlayStation games as a PlayStation game. Yeah, I could break it down as logically as possible and, and there's really you know no reason other than I want the new shiny thing. It's, uh, I think it's totally fair, especially since your work is primarily done on computer anyway. For you, it'd be more like, upgrading it's like getting a new car if you drive to work and it's like that's all you use your car for right like what's the fun it's not it's a functional purchase as opposed to a pure entertainment purchase right buying a new tv that feels good buying a new console that feels good yeah buying a graphics card that feels that feels okay yeah (laughs) once you if you're building a new computer and you're like booting it up and it all works the first time and you you reinstall all your shit and everything everything just is fast then that feels good yeah that feels great but swapping out a GPU is not cool. No, and it's just not, you know, and again, I'm only playing on my PC on a 1080p TV, and I am going to upgrade for the PS5. I'm going to be buying, I'm pretty sure I'm set on the LG C series, whether I'm going to go get an old C9 or I'm going to C10, I don't know, but I, I'm just going to go balls to the wall on the TV situation. And I wanted that to be in the front room, and I want it to be on the PS5, and, you know, who knows, we'll see how it plays out. But the PS5 lunch, I said this on Twitter yesterday, uh, follow me at ejiggle. Uh, I'll block you. The launch is not very compelling. Right now, the launch is Astro's Playroom, Demon Souls, Destruction All-Stars, Marvel's Spider-Man, and Sackboy, A Big Adventure. I will play Spider-Man, and I will play Sackboy. Sackboy is also coming to PS4. Go fucking figure. If I'm desperate, I'll play Demon Souls, which isn't coming to PC. It is not coming to PC. Great. That's not a very compelling launch. Everything else is coming to PS4 for the foreseeable future, including Horizon. Come on. You got to make that a PS5 exclusive. So I, I'm just afraid that Sony is going the way of Microsoft where they say, we don't care where you play our games we, as long as you buy them. And that's going to be PS4 for a while and that'll be PS5 and it'll be PS5 Pro and that'll be PC for a lot of these games. And I just don't want that. Like I want, I know it doesn't make sense, but I, I just want, here's the one box that does the thing that you want it to do. And this is what we're going to focus on. And this is what we're going to pour our energy into. I want the most out of it that I can get. When you start giving me options, it's better for consumers and it's better for games, but it's not what I want, damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no logic there for me, but that's how I feel. No, it's it's strange. Like, once you're given options, it kind of makes your choices less interesting sometimes. Like, it's very dependent. It's It's all about the illusion of choice, you know? It's like you can go out to eat anywhere, but if someone's like, yo, we're going to this place, I'm taking you. That's your only option. You're like, okay, cool, let's go. And that's that's better because you don't have to make a choice. You don't have to feel bad about making the wrong choice because you, you don't have a choice. It's kind of like how uh, games on console, you don't have sliders, even though you definitely could. I mean, there's PC games. But if you had the choice between, oh, do I want this at you know 1080p and 30 or you know 900p and 60, then you feel bad no matter what choice you choose. Exactly. And this is why I was transitioning to PC for the longest time and why... I remained, you know, obviously, Nintendo for Nintendo games, but PlayStation, that's the thing they had going for them for me was they had the exclusives, and that was the reason. That was the reason to own a PlayStation, and they made it so compelling for the entire generation. Well, now, again, if it starts coming to PC, I have to make that choice. I don't want that choice. I want, I want to play the best version of my game possible. So that's been easy forever. Is It's like, okay, 
Console exclusives are best on PlayStation, and all the other games are best on PC, and I got Nintendo for everything else. But now, the Xbox Series X is the best one for console exclusives, and Sony's games are coming to PC, potentially, so I'm like, I suddenly have no incentive to own this console other than just wanting to spend the money and being part of the zeitgeist, and just having that controller, and it, 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 there's no logic. It's not logical to want that. It, no, it's it's super weird, and also it's just strange that they've hammered this messaging of being like, "Yeah, we believe in generations. You're not going to play these games on PS4," and they just totally undermine their own marketing by just completely lying to everybody. Yep. Like, I don't care that it's coming to PS4. I think it's just weird that you said it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and the pre-order has been a mess. They said it was supposed to lo- launch today for pre-orders. Today being the 17th, but they launched on the 16th, and they were going in and out of stock, and it's all fucking bullshit. Yeah, it's like this rolling pre-order because they're trying to get the the fervor up. They're trying to get that FOMO injected into the populace. Right, and people are selling them. People are buying them. Not just selling them. People are buying them on eBay for $1,400, $1,500, $1,600, thinking this is not going to be available on launch. Ridiculous. If you're the type of person who's willing to spend $1,400 for a console, you're an idiot and you deserve to lose your $1,400. Preach. Personally. Preach. Especially when the most exciting game you're going to be playing is, you know, Sackboy. <laughs> you know, like based on based on availability, this is going to be more available than the PS4 was. And yeah, it wasn't exactly easy to get a PS4 when that first came out, but it wasn't nearly as hard as it was to like get like a a, a, a Wii, Wii. <laughs> yeah. or even a Switch. Yeah, they're they're a little bit supply constrained as far as getting shipments out, but like you're not going to have difficulty getting this one. Do not fall to the FOMO. Do not be the type of person to spend way more than you ought to on a on a system just because it's hard to get. Don't be that guy, right? Also, EJ, don't be that guy who sells them for $1,400 on eBay. That's a bit shitty. Listen, yesterday I tweeted, I said, what, congrats, Sony, on killing any incentive to want to buy your console. And then also... <laughs> yeah, and then I was trying to get, I was trying to get that, that pre-order. And I'll be honest, I was trying to get the damn pre-order for myself, but then you're like, you're a clown. And I was like, yeah, well, they're selling for $1,500 on eBay, asshole. <laughs> and then we had that whole Twitter interaction. Like, no, I want the PS5, and it doesn't make sense. And I'm mad about some of the stuff Sony's doing, but I'm still going to buy the console because I want the damn thing. And I'll probably buy an Xbox Series X because I'm an idiot. I just don't want you to want it because you can't have it. I want you to want it no, because no, you no, truly no, no. in your heart no, of hearts no. want it. But you made it seem very... You made it seem like you didn't want one. I was, I'm, I was mad. I am mad about some of the things they're doing. I want them to give me... Here's why you need this console and you don't have any other recourse. You want to play our industry-leading first-party games and this is where you're going to play them. That's what I want them to tell me and then yes, here's my cash. I'm with you. You know, I don't want to I don't want to get the fucking PS5 and be like, "Oh my god, why does this game run like shit? I guess I'm going to go buy a fucking 3090 for $1400 and play it on PC instead," which is what I did when I first became a PC gamer. I was playing a game on the PS4 and I said, "This fucking runs like shit." So I bought a goddamn 780 Ti and I became a PC gamer. I don't want that I don't want that option. I just want to be like, "All right, God of War runs kind of shitty, but like this is what I have. I want to play it." You had a 780? That's funny. 780 Ti, mind you, most powerful GPU in 2013. Thank you very much. When did the Night series come out? The 2014? Uh, I don't know. Must have been Sometime before 2016, when the 10 series came. <laughs> cool. I think it was nine. I think it was 2014 then. Yeah, that so makes sense. Usually do. Then the TI was probably the year after that. Anyway. Yeah. So should we talk about this little Nintendo Partner Direct? Yeah. This has been gone on so long. This podcast is going to be way longer than we want it to be, and I know you're pissed about it. I but told you. I, told I don't you. give a shit. I don't give a shit either. It's fine. Nice. So Nintendo this morning on the 17th, mm-hmm. they streamed a Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase. 
how many more words could they put at the end of this to be like, yo, this is not a real Nintendo Direct. The new Nintendo 3D Partner Showcase. Be cool, you know? Like like Chris Pratt in, in the bad Jurassic movies. His arms out. Everybody, stay calm. We're not talking about Smash characters. We're sorry. This is all third-party crap that you might care about. Turns out, it was. For me, at least. For you, I doubt there was a single thing that you get no. a single shit about in this entire stream. So, okay, let me, let me, I want you to break this down for me because I know there are a couple games in here that, that are going to light a fire under your ass. But when I watch this, it has been a really bad year for Nintendo Directs. It has been a really bad year. There are a lot of unhappy Nintendo fans. And like the few things that could have been in a Direct but weren't that were like first party but were just like dropped on Twitter, I don't think would have really set the world on fire either. Sure. But they would have been cool. Like it would have been cool to be like, yo, we're doing a stream, you know, come hang out and then get like a cool trailer for Paper Mario that comes out in a couple months and then, oh, hey, Pikmin Remaster 3, whatever. It's coming out in October. But that's like, that's it. So that I, I kind of understand. Like they could have done Mario... They could have, I mean, the three things they've gotten this year past Animal Crossing, which we already knew about, were Paper Mario, Pikmin, and then the the Mario thing that was like, the only thing that's this year is the 3D All-Stars. Yeah. So, I don't know. They started off with Monster Hunter, right? Oh, yeah. Started off with that that dog running up, and then you see the the dude in the Monster Hunter armor, and he's like, oh, 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 boy. Because it's, it's so funny. I love the voice acting. That's clearly like some Japanese dude that's like, doesn't know a single word of English, but is like reading off phonetically English words. He's <laughs> like, yes, that's the vibe I'm going for. <laughs> I thought the main guy in the trailer sounded like Sean Chamel of, of Goku fame. Of Goku fame? <laughs> but I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think it was. He's also, I think he does the voice of Rep- Reptile from Mortal Kombat. Or maybe I'm thinking of uh, of uh, the other guy. He does Spike Spiegel and was the voice of Tom the Robot from Toonami. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, Tom, the robot from Toonami was was Krillin, right? Krillin, did you Krillin too? The original, no. yeah, Krillin. Um, he's got a weird name, and why can't I remember it? It's uh, Sunny Straight. Oh, it's not that guy. Different guy. Yeah, different guy. Anyway, Spike Spiegel's different guy. Monster Hunter Rise. I think it's exclusive to Switch. I don't think it's coming to other consoles. You don't like Monster Hunter? I get it. It's obtuse. Yes, it's a loot game, but all the things that you do are way harder than. Uh, like a Diablo or a Destiny. So I'm more interested in the combat and the action of it. The loot is just like a cool little carrot on the end of the stick, but I much prefer just the act of playing it. And I really fell in love with World. That was a really great time. Uh, I remember you bringing over, what was that, Monster Hunter 4 on the Wii U, 4 Ultimate maybe? Yeah, th- tr- 3. Which was... 3 Ultimate. Was it 3? Yeah. Oh my god, so that was a port of a Wii game that was ported to the 3DS and then upported to the Wii U. That was a PSP game, originally. A PSP game. I am almost positive. It was a Wii game. It was a Wii... I'm gonna look I this think up. PSP game. I think, the port- I think the portable ones were named differently. I believe on PSP it was Portable 2nd and Portable 3rd. Try was on Wii, and then it was downported to 3DS, or upported... Is the 3DS strong on the Wii? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, you're, maybe you're right. So Monster Hunter Try was released on the Wii and the 3DS, and then the Ultimate version was on Wii U. I swear to God, this was basically just an upgrade from the from a PSP game. I swear to God, it was. Did four ever come to Wii U? I don't remember. Do you had you had three then on three Ultimate? Three on Ultimate Wii U then. Correct. Okay. So that obviously because it was a 3DS game ported to the Wii U did not exactly uh, showcase the power of the Wii U, but this game. It's in a new engine. This is running off of the same engine that 
Devil May Cry 5 and the new Resident Evil games have been running off of. So I think they've gotten uh, a little bit more freedom to uh, expand the, the monster variety. I believe the monster variety didn't seem as expansive in world as it could have been, despite it being the biggest Monster Hunter game. And the first of the Monster Hunter games that you didn't actually have to like load into new areas every time you walk from like one map to another. Like the, the old ones were very much set up like an Ocarina of Time dungeon where you walked into different rooms and every area was a different room. But this is more akin to world where it's like an open environment. And you've got so much mobility. You can run up these walls. You've got this grappling hook that you can just grapple onto like midair and just like swing around and doing hop, hop, skippity jump shit. Big fan. Big into it. You can ride a dog. Ride that dog up a wall. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sign me up, brother. <laughs> the dog attacks with you. Your dog is an attack support. And then the cat is your healing support. So the cat will be like meowing at you and throwing healing potions. And the dog's hitting enemies with a sword. And then you're shooting it with a, a like grappling hook and doing sick attacks. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah. <laughs> it's aggressively Japanese. It's That sounds goofy yes. as hell. All I took away from it was, hey, that's Monster Hunter. It somehow still looks like a PSP game. <laughs> like... <sighs> It looks really good. I no, it really no, good. it doesn't. Obviously, it's not like it's the fucking switch. What do you expect from this? Yeah, I thing? know. It's I not Monster Hunter be, World. It's not going to have like. Remember the grass and in, in, in Breath of the Wild. I do. I don't want the pop in grass. Just give me like a textured grass. I don't give a shit. I'm not looking at the grass. I'm doing sick flips and killing this platypus that's belly flopping on me. You know. It's just Monster Hunter games traditionally always look really fucking outdated. It's because they're all on PSP and like the DS. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's like, all right, now you guys have an opportunity to do something new and exciting. I'll tell you, I was more actually intrigued by the, uh, the wind waker rip off. Yeah. That looked interesting. No, it's, it's a, po- it's a Pokemon game. They're like collect them, uh, RPGs. The first one was on 3ds. I'm more into that idea. Sure. Yeah. And I, I want to play stories too, as well. Hell yeah. So I watched the little monster Hunter direct afterwards, which they sort of went a little, a little bit more detail. Not a lot. Just sort of talking about systems and mechanics and stuff of the, the Monster Hunter game and then sort of explaining the the spinoff with stories. Yeah. Then after that, there's a bunch of not a lot of stuff like what fitness boxing this guy a six. Okay. Whatever. Empire of Sin, which is what the uh, John Romero, his studio doing like some weird 1920s. Yeah. 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 Gangsters. Yeah. That thing. Sniper Elite, Long Dark, Hades. People like Hades. That's a super giant. People that did Bastion and Trans- Transistor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That game looks interesting. It's a it's a roguelike. Yeah. Roguelite. Whatever. Balan Wonderland, which looks like a hot nightmare. That 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 game's gonna give me bad dreams. Literally. That's a joke for, for people who are Sega fans. <laughs> uh and then Rune Factory five, which actually I wanna I want to like more than I might actually want to like it. <laughs> okay. It interests me. And I've been telling Lindsay about it because she's really into like Harvest Moon games. And this seems more like a, it's like Harvest Moon, but with a little bit more focus on like some dungeoning stuff. It's more, it's like, it's like if you did Stardew Valley, which again is a game you'd like. It's yeah. like Stardew Valley, but more in, anime. In 3D. Yeah. So like there's dungeons, there's relationships, there's, there's big tomatoes that you pick, you know, you got to water stuff. You got to make your town happy. That kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Interesting. And then uh, end of the end of the direct was just Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which was pretty much uh, confirmed. Like people knew about it for a long time, but Shadow Drop out. 
collector's edition with both games, both games getting physical releases individually as well, which is nice. I love to see an indie game getting a physical release. Something about that just warms my heart. I'm glad it is. I wish more games would just get outright physical releases and not It is like, also. Okay. I just, I mean, the collector's editions are cool, but like, I'm sick of the limited run and the limited only and the IMA bit. I hate all this limited collector oriented bullshit. This is going to get a normie, a normie release as well, which I'm not sure about the price on that one. Probably about 40 bucks if I had to guess. Yeah, it makes sense. But 140 bucks for two physical copies and some fucking postcards in a fancy box is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And a little stained glass thing. Ridiculous. Well, I mean, where there is a market... You got to sell to that market, right? Well, as a reformed collector, and I can say that in all truthfulness now because I have officially sold off everything I intend to sell off three years ago when I said I was a reformed collector. It's all gone now. It's true now. I don't I'm just. So, I'm so proud of you. I haven't been to your house, so I can't, you know, check under the cupboards and look at your little hidey holes, make sure you're not secretly collecting some trash. You know, everything that I own is, is just right here behind me now, and it is about one tenth of what I sold. So. Sure. I believe you. Anyway. I just I hope it's available. I don't like the limited the shit that you can't buy after an hour, you know, and they never do another release. Like I fuck fuck that shit. Fuck limited run. You know, I like when limited run started doing like proper releases being sold in Best Buy and you could order them three months later. Yeah, they've done that with all their Switch titles. So I'm I'm happy about that. Open pre orders for, you know, a week or two. Like if you want to get it, get it. Yeah. Just have to wait a long time, which is kind of uh frustrating, but understandable also. That was Nintendo. I'm just, you know, stoked. March is just around the corner. That would also be a good time for a, a new Switch, a 4K Switch. Fingers crossed. I really hope it's a... Uh, we need a meaningful... Not a new a new 3DS situation. We need a meaningful leap. Something to compete with the new consoles. Maybe not necessarily one for one when it comes to power, but something to stay relevant. Something to entice developers to continue supporting the platform so that they're not getting... Abs- I mean, they're already getting abomination ports right now. But Nintendo needs to do something to match this sooner than later. I think if it has the GPU power of the Xbox One S with a newer CPU, if it's still a handheld, have decent battery life. Like, it doesn't have to be as good a battery life as even the the, the revision of the Switch. If you're getting more power, you should be able to, to deal with having less battery life. Yeah, four hours of battery Stay life. Stay plugged in occasionally. Yeah, no 1080p screen. That's not necessary. For a screen that small, 720 is perfectly acceptable, and it will help you with Unless your Unless you have life. like a larger screen with less bezel. Like if they filled it out and then did 1080p, I think that would be reasonable, but it doesn't need to be the same size and be 1080p. Especially if it's a heat problem too. Like if you want to downclock the CPU super hard and downclock everything to make sure it runs at 720 and like isn't getting too hot while in handheld, put some fans in the dock. I don't give a shit. Let the thing purr. Big fans. I would rather focus on getting premium performance docked because you can get away with a lot. That's where it matters. A big TV is where you see all the mistakes and all the problems from a, a weaker console. On a on a six and a half inch, you know, seven twenty p screen, you can get away with a lot. So or get that new Nvidia DLSS and have it upscale. As long as it looks decent on my four K TV, like seeing the seven twenty p UI of the Switch, like the home screen. Is rough on a 4K TV where each pixel is taking up nine pixels. Horrible. It's not ideal. Yeah. It's not ideal. Yep. This has been your news update with the Content Crusade Boys. We're going to transition here to the uh, the stuff we recorded several, several days ago where we were just talking about Xbox and old, old games from months ago. Tony Hawk and shit. But yeah, so we don't mention a lot of this stuff because uh, it happened in the future. The future past. Just like X-Men. Whoa! Shout out to <laughs> Michael Fassbender. 
Shout out to James McAvoy. Dude, what hunks? Name another one. <laughs> Quick, name another one. Wasn't Jennifer Lawrence in those movies? Yeah, J-Law. And they had, they had to retcon <laughs> no. a bunch of like why we should care about Mystique and shit. They also had to make her less blue because she didn't like the makeup. Also understandable. Shit's very irritating on the skin. Also, you probably made $50 million to play that character. She shut the fuck up and do your job for two months. Also, that dude from Warm Bodies in uh, Mad Max. He played Beast, the weird British guy. Oh, he was he was the guy, and he was the yeah, he was the guy. Uh, the, he was the Beast Boy. Oh wow, I didn't. Yeah, he totally was. Yeah. What else All was he in? and Chrome, witness me. I don't know his name. What else was he in? Oh, Warm Bodies. Remember that movie? Was he the zombie? The zombie romance yeah. movie. Yeah. Okay, okay. Beast will always be Kelsey Grammer in my eyes. That's how that is, Frazier holds up. What a great show. Scrambled eggs all over my face. Oh my God. We're so white. Oh, the longer I go without doing a console crusade intro, the more awkward I feel when I finally have to do one. So maybe we just forgo the intro. We just, we just roll into it. I need some energy from you. So you, you're not allowed to say, give me some energy unless you say, give me some energy. Like that. I don't want to do that because I don't want my dog to come running downstairs and start barking at the door, you know? Well, I gave you. <laughs> She'll be the energy. Some energy there. Yeah, you don't want that. No, that's the bad kind of energy. You don't want that. That's manic energy. I fucked up my mic when I tried to do the thing to yell at you. You were so happy when you got that boom going and you're like, oh, everything's so much better. It's so easy to move everything around. And now you just touch the damn thing and it starts spinning in place. I set it up for my SM57 here, which is much, much heavier. You would think that would make it even tighter and like harder to move around. It has a tension rod that you, you know, adjust up and down. And so since it's so much heavier, the rod's different. So now this is very finicky with the light mic on it and it wants to keep going up and it flops weird. Yeah. It's just, you know, but I'm not going to, everyone's got problems with the floppy tension rod. You know what I'm saying? We are getting, getting older, bud. Getting heavy. It's a heavy old hammer. Yeah. Oh, well, not my hammer. Not these days. (laughs) Anyway, Console Crusade, we're the podcast that talks about video games sometimes. And by sometimes, I mean every three months at this point. God, I don't even want to look at our last update. We still release on Wednesdays, though. Wednesdays. <laughs> on Ace, Wednesdays sometimes. I'm EJ. This is Nick, who is on opposite this Zoom call. We're in Discord, not Zoom. And I'm anti-Zoom. Yeah, I hate that that became the nomenclature for just a video call. I mean, I guess it's better than Skype, but... People still be saying, I'm going to map quest my, you know... No, you're not going to map quest it. No, I'm not Skyping anyone because Skype died 10 years ago. Let me send you a, a, a DM. Hit you up on AIM. <laughs> hey, can I get your MSN, bro? No one's ever used MSN. I, hey, listen, I used MSN back in the day. I didn't, I've never had an AIM account. You had to like, pay for that shit and then... Whatever. Back in the day... To have like AOL, you paid for it. You paid for AOL, but you didn't have to pay for AIM. I was using AIM after I was off AOL when we had uh, not 56K. What was after that? DSL. We had DSL. Dial up, baby. Those fat pipes. No. DSL wasn't dial up. Get off the phone. I'm trying to use the internet. DSL wasn't dial up. That was the fast one after that before cable and before fiber before that. It's all the same fucking thing. I don't know. It was all bad. It was all bad. <laughs> it was all like you're waiting like eight minutes to load up a Neopets front page, you know, trying to play flash games. Let that little spinny bar get faster and faster. I'm at 78%. I'm almost ready to play Fancy Pants Adventure. You know how we always be romanticizing the past. You know, I, I don't want to go back to the days where it took me, yeah, seven and a half minutes to load Heli Attack 2 on fucking 
you know, newgrounds.com or, or whatever. Mini clips. That's what it was. Remember mini clips? Oh yeah, I remember mini clip. You kidding me? I just fucking video games. Man. I've got something to actually send to you sometime. I'll have to remember after the podcast, but it's a compilation of just a bunch of old flash games. We can just download them locally and putt around at your own leisure. I like that. I like uh, putting around leisurely. You play that Lilo and Stitch sandwich stacking game. Never, never heard of it. Oh well. Anyway, move on. Well, we have a shit ton to talk about today because we haven't recorded in so long, and. I want you to know that every time something happens, whether I see it on Twitter when I wake up or I get I look at the group chat in the morning, uh, and by morning I mean three thirty in the afternoon because I am a huge piece of shit now. Seven months into not having a job or leaving my house, nice. I always think I'm like, oh, I should take note of this for the podcast, and then I don't. And then when we finally do a podcast, I'm like, what are we talking about? So much has happened, and then you're always like, oh, not much has happened. I don't know. I'm like, it's, it felt so big at the time, but now I can't even remember. But this time, we actually have a lot of big shit to talk about. There's no doubt about it. So, do you want to start personal stuff? What we've been playing, what we've been up to, etc. Or you want to dive into the news? Recount me with some stuff that you've been playing. I haven't been playing anything new. You know, just the same old Animal Crossing and Risk of Rain 2. You know, just playing the video games I already own. I got some uh, new games for my birthday, but I haven't gotten a chance to play any of them. So it's like, what's the point? I guess the only thing that I've been playing that I haven't talked about before was Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Uh, proper sequel to the first game? It's a 2D game. So mm. the first game was a lot more like Banjo-Kazooie and this one's a lot more like Donkey Kong Country, which I'm into. And honestly, I feel like the physics in this game feel better than the the newer ones that uh, Retro made. Okay. I wasn't really into Tropical Freeze. I felt like I hate playing as Donkey Kong for one. And then for two, the, the, the speed of everything was just way off. Like you did a roll jump and you're just like going a million miles an hour and it was really bad, to, really hard to control. And I just never got into it. The level design was always really cool, but I didn't like the way moving around felt. But in uh, Ukulele, it's a lot more like the classic sort of vibe, but with some additional maneuvers. Like if you have your partner with you, if you've got Lele with you, then you have like a little uh, spin that you do in the air that slows down your descent so kind of dixie kong style and then um you've got this mechanic where uh you can grab things with your tongue because you're just a chameleon guy running around but i don't know it's got really good vibes the music's really awesome just a nice low stakes kind of kick back and walk through a level try to collect all the the hidden things you did say that you're still playing animal crossing is that like an everyday kind of thing still if I get around to it, it's like when I get home from work and it's like if I am awake enough and want to spend half an hour, I'll go do some chores. But beyond that, not really too much uh, intensive stuff. I still want to get around to finishing my village setup because as it is, there's still like a third of my island that's like, I don't really have a plan for it, but I want to like get around to it. Just haven't gotten to it. You know how it be. I, I really haven't played much since Destiny came out. I kind of got so engrossed in that game for so many months. I just, Animal Crossing was such a huge commitment because I, I had all these grand plans and I did all, you know, I, I just had so much to do that it never felt relaxing. It always felt like it was go, go, go. Yeah, you kind of turned it into your job after not having one initially right after quarantine started. So. Right. And I had a good time with it. And I want to go back and complete my island. I really do. It's just, it's the struggle of overcoming all of the like interfacing problems that the game has. A lot of weird UI stuff. Trying to accomplish all these things, but not feeling creative enough. And so I kind of hit those roadblocks. So, you know, 
I, eventually I'll go back to it. it. It'll probably be a fall thing, winter thing when we really, you know, hunker down and I can't. Especially when like Halloween season starts in the game and you have all the, the leaves falling. Like uh, fall's already started, so you can get uh, acorns and what pine cones from trees. Okay. And there's like new recipes and stuff if you want to get into the, the fall spirit. But I mean, beyond that, it's nothing like too visually changing. Like there hasn't been any leaves changing colors on my trees yet. What I'll probably do when I get back in is time travel back to May Day. So, because I never got the bush because I didn't play that day. So, I don't know what you're talking about. The the bush uh, fence. I think you just get that, don't you? On on May Day or what? It was an event item. Yeah. And so, I definitely you need don't just that. get that from, you mean the hedges? The hedges. Yeah, the hedge fence. Where do you get that from? Yeah, that's a, that's a recipe. I know that, but I don't remember. I think Isabel gives it to you, right? As far as I remember reading, it was a May Day or Earth Day or whatever it was, event item. I know Leaf started showing up around Earth Day or uh, Arbor Day or something. Leaf has never had it. Yeah, he just sells the the, the bushes and some flowers if right. you don't, non-native flowers and stuff. So I'll probably go back. I'll go through summer again um, and just really rapidly go day by day um, until I catch up to current day. You can go back as far as you want, but you don't want to time travel forward. It'll fuck everything up. So... That'll that'll be what I do when I jump back into it for for this season. Wait, don't want to turn on your switch and just have a you know a million weeds everywhere. Hopefully, I don't have some of the neighbors that I like gone. I, I'm assuming you can just get them back if you have the amiibo cards. So we'll see. W- whatever. I don't think anyone moves out while you're not playing. Oh, thank God. In this one, thank God. Yeah. Other than, I mean, I haven't played Destiny either. I I pretty much when the new season came out, I played it for about two weeks, pretty hard. And then my play group kind of disintegrated, which is what always happens with these games. Your play group, you know, one guy went back to school, one guy got a job, and then summer hit, and so Brendan was was kind of in and out. And so I just, we just haven't fucking played, which really sucks. So I'm hoping with the new expansion that that picks up again, but... Well, you know, with like live games like Destiny, it's just a theme park and a, and a carnival, you know? It's a, it's, a, it's a roller coaster at a theme park or at a carnival where... If you want to keep riding that one ride, you're not going to be able to keep people going with you over and over on the same ride. They want to go on the next ride. They want to play Fall Guys. They want to play Among Us. They want to play the new hotness. That is a good way of putting it. Uh, I got heavy back into Rocket League for a hot minute. Like we climbed, you know, I climbed a diamond, which is the highest rank I've ever been. Is that one hit uh, free to play yet? Or is that coming out I think it's soon? It's a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm not sure. How do you feel about it leaving Steam kind of? I don't know. I don't think I care. I think going free to play is fine as long as they don't do anything janky like, you know, starting to charge us 20 bucks a season or something. I mean, they already, they already do that with like the, the rocket pass thing, which is, you know, I think it's so weird that every game has its its battle pass equivalent when subscription services have been a thing for forever and season passes have been a thing forever. But somehow tying it to progression is like the, the secret sauce that turned people onto it. Now people are dumping stupid money into everything. Right. And, you know, I paid for the Destiny Pass because the, the benefits and rewards were, like, tangible. And, and it you know, the cost-benefit analysis checked out on that one. Rocket League, I don't give a fuck. I don't care about cosmetics. And it would be completely broken if they were to ever give you anything that gave you an advantage in the game. That's the whole point of the game is that everyone is using the same stock set of parameters. You don't think that they would uh, lock behind, like, cars? Sure. I, but who cares? I don't care. I don't give a fuck. I don't care about new cars. Don't the different cars have like different uh, hitboxes and stuff? They technically do, but it's it's such a 
it only matters if you're a fucking MLG, you know, it's like if you're playing Street Fighter and counting fucking frames down to the, you know, down to the frame. But, you know, you're not doing that. So you find a car that feels good for you and and the hitbox isn't going to impact you unless, uh, again, you're a S tier one in a hundred player. It's just not going to fucking matter. Sure. So hopefully they don't end up doing anything sketchy or if they make it free to play and everyone gets involved and then it's like, oh, you could only play competitive ranked if you buy the new season pass. And that would be fucked up because I bought this game with my hard earned cash. I can see them having like a, a different ranked depending on if you're a season pass holder, if you're doing free ranked. That's, that would that would be dumb as fuck. Or like track your track your season stats more more closely or something. I mean, what would you sell that would not be just cosmetics? In a game like that, I guess you sh- nothing. You shouldn't sell anything. Fuck Epic. Game's free. It has to sell stuff to make money. But that that's what's so frustrating about it. If you know, if it goes free to play and all they do is is sell Fortnite skins, right? That's fucking fine. I don't care. Like, don't don't sell anything that's going to change or alter the competitive nature of the game. And there, you know, I know there are diehard Rocket fans who are, are already pissed at what Epic has done um, since they bought Psionics. But like it hasn't affected the base game. I don't give a fuck about how anything works other than how my car feels and how how the rank progression works. That's all I fucking care about. And that has not fundamentally changed at all in five years. So for them to come in after five years and to start selling anything other than some cosmetics that 10-year-olds care about, that would be super broken and, and they would definitely lose my... My patronage. I would not be giving them, you know. You would not be giving them the not money you were already not giving them. Well, yeah, because I bought the fucking game. Like, and 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 I understand there was a buyout and and they're evolving. It's that's not consumer or player friendly. Like, it's great for new players, but I'm like Rocket League's a twenty dollar game. Like, there's nobody out there who wants to play Rocket League that can't play it or hasn't. You know, it's just such a, a small niche. Everyone will download it who doesn't have it, play it for five minutes, but you're not going to get anybody new after five years who's like, oh, well, now it's fucking free. Yeah, I just wonder what they're going to sell that people are actually going to want to buy because it seems like you're probably the, the the majority of people who play Rocket League on a semi-regular basis are probably mostly like you. I mean, like you said, there's going to be the, you know, 100 people that think they're MLG or whatever, and then, you know, many thousands of children who just mash buttons and drive at the ball. Yeah. But yeah, you got to get their money too, I guess. I just wonder what the benefit of going to free to play for that kind of game is. Cause like you said, everybody who wanted it already bought it. Well, I, I imagine they're thinking unless they have some diabolical plan ready to implement after people download this game for free. My thinking is just, they said, Oh, the battle pass uh, system, you know, the rocket pass works for us. So why don't we just open that up to a bigger market? There's not like a progression that you can speed up by having a subscription. Like what are you what are you getting more and what are you getting faster by paying money? You're getting cosmetics. Yeah, but who cares? Some people do apparently. Because people buy the new pass. There there are um season rewards. They're all cosmetic, but they're limited. So it's like, okay, yeah, I got my I got my platinum three rewards for season 12 or whatever. And that you wear that. Who would be so foolish as to be tricked into spending money on something they can only get for a limited amount of time. That's just some kind of idiot would have to do that. Yeah. Uh, definitely not either of us. You probably definitely didn't pre-order Mario 35th. Nope. Definitely didn't. Definitely. am not going to be getting a package from Amazon next week. Nope. Uh, and I will not be picking it up at Best Buy on the afternoon of release. That would be completely ridiculous and goes against everything that you and I are, are talking about right now. I'm still mad that you have 
Game Pass or not Game Pass, but Gamers Club Unlocked. Use my fucking phone number. I don't give a I shit. I think the last time I didn't because it was like at the same time I was giving them a big stink about how mine was no longer working despite it's supposed to be working. Yeah. So I'm not just be like, well, just use this one then. What a drama. What a drama. But Ugh. anyway, yeah, Rocket League, whatever. Right now, I don't care. It's going free to play. As long as my competitive play doesn't change, I'm fine. Let's touch on a couple of things real quick. So the last time we really talked, we, were, we we did basically two podcasts reviewing Last of Us Part 2. We had a really good conversation, I think, with Chris, where he kind of laid out his case. And, and we just kind of went around in circles about it. And whatever. I'm over that game. That was a long time ago. That was years ago at this point. That was about three months ago. Yeah. Other major releases since then. The only other major release, AAA release that I've played is Ghost of Tsushima. Paper Mario. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Did you pick Paper Mario up? I got it for my birthday. I still haven't uh, popped it in yet, though. Oh, okay. Who got that for you? Is that a- Did Max give it to you? No, that was a Nat and Steph oh, okay. birthday joint. Uh, I, you know, some of the guys we follow, like Pierre Schneider said he loved it. And, you know, I don't know what that means other than he seems to like a lot of other good things. So I don't have super high expectations for it. I didn't love uh, Super Paper Mario. And then when I bought my first 3DS, I had a uh, sticker, sticker star. star. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> which was which was rough. I mean, I'm bummed that my uh, my DS and all my games got stolen, but I wasn't bummed that that was one of them. <laughs> I'll just say that. Uh, I guess. Did you ever replace that 3DS? You did. Yeah, I bought a new one. I bought a new one when uh, Pokemon X and Y came out. Right, right. No, Ghost of Tsushima, which I feel like we're far enough away from Ghost of Tsushima. We should know it. Avengers just came out, but unless you're kind of funny, uh, nobody is playing or liking that game, so who cares? I feel like we're far enough away from Ghost that like I don't have anything overwhelmingly positive to say about it. I played it for about 20 hours. I haven't beaten it. I don't know if I will at this point. It just felt like kind of a slog. It seemed very much like one of those games. People get so caught up in the sort of Sony fanboy-ism. Yeah, they think that logo on the front of the, the box means something. Well, it's it's my argument against, not even against, it's just the way I, the, the lens I process Nintendo games through. Where because it's a Nintendo game, you automatically have this heightened sense of expectations, but also like, if the game's a six, you're going to add at least two points to that just because it's a Nintendo game. It's like Breath of the Wild, which had one really cool, innovative thing, but then a lot of really mediocre to bad stuff around it. But it had enough of that Nintendo charm and atmosphere that people just lost their mind. And like, oh, it's the best game ever fucking made. And like I've said on this podcast a thousand times, I said it's not even the best open world game that came out that month. What other great open world game came out in March? Oh, you fucker. It was a week. Like a week. Yeah, you're right. It was February <laughs> that the Horizon. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> you fucking got him. Within that 30 day time frame, rather. Um, <laughs> Ghost Ghost was <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> uh, oh god. This is how I describe Ghost of Tsushima. People first off, people who say that Ghost of Tsushima is a better game than Horizon Zero Dawn are either trolls. Can you not lock on in Horizon Zero Dawn either? <laughs> the, honestly, the lock on was not really an issue after a while. Just the way the encounters work. Sure, sure. I'm just being a shithead. Yeah. yeah. But Horizon is far superior in everything from performance to to graphics to combat to concept and does I mean everything about it is better. Does the does the protagonist and Ghost of Tsushima breathlessly mutter to himself his uh, exposition and his motivations and what he should be doing in every encounter? Isn't that every main character? 
No, it's mostly just uh, Sony games. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I mean. Every every Sony third person action adventure RPG is kind of, you know, kind of the play for the main character. <sighs> but it's it's so tiresome. And once you hear it, and you can't, you just can't unhear it. Right. So that's that's turned me off to Horizon since we first saw the trailer for that in like 2016 or whatever. God, my such God, a this game, woman though. is really talking to herself a lot, and it's like bothering me. So the way the way that I would describe Ghost of Tsushima, and and this is. It, it is a perfectly serviceable game. It has so if you're really into samurai, you're gonna love this game because the combat is good. The graphics are 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 nice. The story is fine. So if you're into action adventure RPG like games and you like samurais, like this is gonna be your fucking jam. This is gonna be a fun twenty hour romp for you. As far as looking at it as a PlayStation exclusive and the expectations that come along with that after you know God of War, Spider Man, Horizon, um, you know. The Last of Us games, even the new one, as controversial as it is, it, Ghost of Tsushima feels like a really poor way to end the generation. And I feel like I might even feel differently about this if it had come out a year ago, or if they had held it and and waited and really polished it and launched it as a way to launch the next gen, where we typically are used to really weak games. I feel like this would have been better service as a launch title. You would have had more people probably diving in to play it and the expectations of like Sony making these flawless first party experiences, you know, would be diminished because it's like, Oh, it's a launch game instead of 2k and Assassin's Creed. We got like a, a, a really solid first party Sony game, you know? So that a little irksome. So the way I described it is this is, this is the pinnacle of PlayStation two games, the way games used to be made, the design philosophy, the way stories were told, this seems like that vision perfected, if that makes sense. And I saw other people with very similar thoughts a little bit later, where they, you know they they compared it to like a, a 360 game, and that that all yeah that makes a lot of freaking sense. I don't know how much like gameplay you've actually watched or or how familiar you are with it. Not too much of the actual like combat parts of it. Mostly just sort of like, oh, it's so cool that they use the wind as your thing, so you're not staring at a mini map. It's like okay. But besides, like, I mean, just from the breakdowns I've sort of heard people describing it, it seems very much like a open world, collect-a-thon, beat the bandit camps, do the mainline story, kind of do, get your skill tree. I, I haven't, like, heard anything about the story, really. Is it, like, nobody's even described the story, so I don't know how cool the story can be if if no one even, like, wants to talk about it. Not that I think video game stories are even very good at all so i guess that doesn't really matter to me but i'm just like people tend to talk about those things and they're talking about you know the the triple a sony first party system sellers yeah the story is fine i mean you're uh this dude named Jin, and the fucking mongols inv- invade your island off of mainland japan and almost all the samurai get killed your uncle gets captured and you get beat by the mongol boss and then the whole game is basically but he lets you live so you can you can beat him <laughs> Right, yeah. Later. Right. Uh, yeah, so you find your uncle, and then you find a bunch of uh, the last few living samurai to put a team together to fight the Mongols and, and drive them out of your island. Does your uncle die? Not so far. Minor spoilers, I guess. Um, I'm in Act 2, and I saved him, and now we're just going to find more samurai. Go ahead. And, I'm going to go ahead and guess that your uncle dies. <laughs> I, I, I assumed. And every time you do a, a, an assassin like ninja thing, you're like, oh, I feel so bad. My uncle would have been very disappointed in me. Well, that does happen. That does happen is you have these flashbacks to him training 
uh, Jin, and he has those moments when you when you first learn in the game how to fucking merc someone. He's like, this is not an honorable way to kill. But then you save your uncle. I don't know. Hopefully he doesn't die. He, he seems like a good guy. But so yeah, the story is whatever. But it's pretty basic. It's a pretty basic like, yeah, collect the things, level up your skill tree. The combat's cool. I really actually like the system they have for uh, you have different stances that are effective against different weapon types. So you kind of have this rock, paper, scissors thing uh, where this stance is effective against, you know, lancers and this is a, or spears rather. And this is effective against swords and bows, et cetera, et cetera. Just like Fire Emblem taught us. Yeah, right. That's why I said lancers. No, 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 not, not lancers. Spearmen. <laughs> different. Different game. <laughs> Sword beat axe. <laughs> right. So that's cool because it it's enough diversity to make you think about how you're approaching, you know, and then you're trying to on the fly switch your stance to, to link different combos to like, because you, you're always fighting hordes of people. Like it's always a whole group and you're just being bombarded by fucking, you know, arrows and whatever. But but yeah, the combat's fine. The lo- the lack of lock on like doesn't bother me at first. It was a little disorienting, but once you kind of get into the encounters, you're always kind of surrounded. So if you were locked on, it would be kind of a detriment. So now you're able to keep a wider like field of view and sort of roll around someone. And the game sort of kind of keeps you where you want to be. But then you don't have the frustrating thing of like, or right, I want to attack this guy behind me, but I'm still locked onto this guy, and your camera doesn't move with you. So it kind of fixes some of the problems and it creates its own set of problems so it's it's really just i think a different way of doing it and it's fine it's whatever yeah that sounds like combat that i would not be interested in no because i am really uh i get very frustrated with games that auto target or like have magnet hands like the batman combat like i really hate that yeah yeah (laughs) it it bugs the shit out of me it just turns into a match fest it gets old really quick because you are doing the same thing it's okay talk to this person and let me tell you the cutscenes are so frustrating. Like in Horizon, I think the weakest part about that game were the cutscenes. Like the facial capture was fine. I mean, like the the real like mainline cutscenes or like the the autofill, you know, side quest cutscenes that they didn't have the the budget to animate everyone perfectly. Well, both, but but yeah, because every almost everything in Ghost of Tsushima, like ninety percent of it, is the fucking autofill. But it's not just like, all right we're going to cut between close-ups or medium shots of your characters as they talk, which is like fine. It's like, all right, we're cutting out to a wide shot and we're going to do a slow pan. And then, okay, we're going to cut to a slightly less wide shot from a different angle. And we're going to do a, a slight, you know, push in. It, it, it's a P, it's PS2, dude. The the samurai movie aesthetic kind of taken too far. Maybe. No, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it's that at all. It's, it literally is like, old ass games when you would go when you start talking to somebody it's not a cutscene, but you're in a conversation and it's just a, a random series of cuts with a slow zoom and it just randomly changes through the conversation and it like if you just stopped and didn't play like you left you know when you had a uh, have to had to answer a question or something and you if you just let left it it would just loop for hours cutting between random wide shots I'm just like, this is horrible. This is such an old way. Of, like this, this is why I said it feels like a PS2 game. This is a, uh, it's just bad. It's just, that's it's, it's not I'm like, no, I want to see the characters faces. What are they saying? I want to be in this moment with them, not doing this weird grand theft auto in 2000 and fucking three kind of thing. Like it just was, it's disconcerting. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to finish it. It's like after a while, you're just, you're running really slowly through this world and you're just going from camp to camp and doing the same thing. And the story is not compelling enough to get me from character to character. But to be fair, listen, if God of War's story and characters weren't enough to keep me engaged, you know, map to map, this certainly is not. 
Yeah, I can't imagine uh, you going back to play this if you didn't beat it in the first week that you got it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, and so, well, because other games have come along. So that was, you know, obviously not a very comprehensive re- review of the game, but, you know, if you want a proper review, go watch somebody else. Let me tell you what I've been addicted to, Nick, this last week is Tony Hawk. And I'm happy to report that it is not just the nostalgia. Have you been churning it up? Have you been bringing the noise? Oh, baby. Listen, man. This is a perfect remake. Perfect. It's, I mean, it's perfect. It's a 10 out of 10. They not only took the nostalgia, it's got all the same soundtrack as the first two games. You know, it plays, it's that same speed, arcadey sort of uh, feel. It's not skate, you know, which fuck skate. Ain't no one want to play skate in 2020. We're trying to have fun and enjoy ourselves again. All right. We're not trying to simulate a fucking. You know, how a real skateboard feels. I want to press X and ollie seven feet into the air. Yes, yes. So I can do three kick flips and then grind for 80 yards. I want to, yes, I want sparks to fly off of my fucking board when I grind a curb. I want to do a 1080 fucking spin in the air into a double kick flip. All right, I want to eat shit and put myself into a coma and then just glitch back up instantly. I don't want to fucking play skate. I want to play Tony fucking Hawk. I want to jump over the, the half pipe in uh in warehouse, go through the box, do my combo, land on the rail, land on the the lip of the quarter pipe that runs around the entire edge, do a wall manual, land on the rail, jump the taxi cab. I want to do all those things. I want literal aliens to be being dissected in a fucking laboratory. Area 51, dude. Behind the fucking, the half pipe. I want to, I want to ride around the bullring just squishing every turd in my path without slowing down. So many turds. <laughs> yeah, and the sound they make. Oh, very nostalgic. They took a lot of gameplay elements from later Tony Hawk games. You know, obviously the manual, the revert. Manual was added in two. Oh, yeah, that was two, I guess. And the, and the revert was three. I think the wall ride was also in two, but yeah, revert was three. Things like hip transfers. Wall planting was three. Yeah. I wish you could get off your board in this. I liked how in later games you could get off your board and link a combo. So if you wanted to land and, you know, jump behind something, it helped you just like, like say you went up a, a half pipe and you transfer. Sounds like a fake link to me. Well, whatever. It just also the control of like not having to constantly be moving. Sometimes it'd be nice to just be able to stop moving. Dude, you know, always be moving. Always That's the point of the game, dude. Everything about it is just it feels so good. And I was telling you last night that like I have nostalgia for the game, but I don't remember all the levels. My memories are very vague. It's flashes, images. Mostly sounds, you know, sound effects, soundtrack. So a lot of these levels I'm kind of experiencing for the first time. I'm like, oh, I don't remember this. I vaguely remember like part of Venice Beach or those times when you when you stumble across a secret area and you're like, oh my God, I fucking forgot this even existed. What, like when you get the hangar and get the, when you break the window or, the, well, I don't remember what it takes off, like the helicopter takes off from the hangar and you can go outside. You can go outside and it's like snowing out. We can also grind. There's also the wind tunnel yeah. behind the half pipe and the hangar. Yeah. That's so cool. It's like these old Tony Hawk games, the arcadey nature, two minute runs, get the collectibles, do certain tricks, you know, string combos together to get the high scores, but also the level exploration. These, these, it's not just. It's not just a bunch of fucking half pipes thrown in, you know, haphazardly. It's like so flawlessly designed worlds with all these secret areas. Yeah, you get your lines to set up. You try to get your combos and you're, you're stringing together all these sick gaps and rails and stuff. That was the game. Yeah. And, and they've added a lot to it. 
as far as like different challenges, like each skater has their own set of challenges. So it's, you know, do this gap with this combo to get this many points, use any skater and just, you know, hit this type of trick off of this type of ramp. And I bought it on PlayStation to try and, because I want to platinum it. It's going to be a really hard freaking platinum. But, you know, I'm digging in and getting a lot out of that 40 bucks. A lot, you know. I 100%ed both games, you know, all the collectibles uh, and secrets and stuff in like a weekend. And I was like, okay, that was quick. And then kind of diving into some of the extra challenges, I was like, oh, I see how how they're stretching the game without making it feel like filler. Like it still feels, uh, you know, meaningful. And I'm challenging myself and getting better. And I mean, it can be really frustrating. But yeah, I've been into that big time. I don't know if I'll ever platinum it at this point. The platinum is going to be really hard. There are two trophies that are just going to be... Do you know what they are off the top of your head? Yeah, so so there's one called uh, get, uh, Got There, and the Get There gaps are where you have to string together like four, five, six gaps. You know, a gap's like, you, you know, uh, do the kicker gap, and you jump from ramp to ramp, or you jump off a roof onto a rail, and that's a gap. So, so for example, in Warehouse, you know, they want you to... They want you to grind the entire length of the half pipe, wall plant, come back, jump over the half pipe, and you have to all keep one combo. So you jump over the half pipe after your grind, and now you're manualing, and then you have to go back up the half pipe and grind, and then you have to clear the fucking secret room above the half pipe all in one go. And it's so fucking hard. <laughs> I, I know you saw on, on Twitter, I, I posted one where you like go from behind the building at the school and you have to clear the trash can and grind across and you have to do all these planter gaps. Oh my God, it's hard. Yeah, I've done two of 10 and I don't know if I'll probably get another one, realistically. Is it just from the Tony Hawk 1 levels done? They have them for, both, for Tony Hawk 1 and 2. I think there's there's four from Tony Hawk 1 and six from Tony Hawk 2, I think. Probably the more open ones, so you probably not, there probably wouldn't be one for Burnside. There is one for Burnside, and I think you have to like clear a bowl and go up to the um, rafters. Dude, that bowl is gnarly. Yeah. I can't remember, was that the Burnside one that had the Neversoft Eye bowl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did one of those. I did a not one of the Gither gaps challenges, but uh, a different gap challenge just for my created skater where you had to like clear that bowl and you had to do a combo worth like 35,000 points, but with a grab trick. So you have to go full speed to clear that bowl, but there's just a pillar on the other side of that. So you have to manual into the pillar without losing your manual and try to get around it in this little thing. And then it drops you into the like weird tube. And so your manual's all fucked up because you're like going up and down and then out. And then you're like, all right, I have to somehow get enough air to also get a grab trick now. So yeah, it's, it's fucked up. But the other trophy is that I, that I think I'm going to have trouble with is get to level 100. And apparently if you basically 100% the game, which is do all the challenges for every create, uh, every skater, which is crazy to even think about. But there are other things like... I was hearing that once you clear a challenge with one skater, it automatically counts it for all the other ones. You just have to redeem it. There are there are some... Like there are like level-specific challenges, but every skater has their own set of challenges. Okay. Every pro skater. So... Bopping out Bob Bernquist and Jeff Rowley and all those dudes. Yeah. Bucky Lasik. Steve Caballero. And they have a bunch of newcomers who I don't know. I know Letitia Buffoni, Buffani, Buffanti. I can't remember. She, uh, I've seen her around before on the internet, but all the other guys, I'm like, I don't know. I haven't followed skating in 20 years. 
you know? Right. No, the other one is you have to reach level 100, and you gain experience by finishing challenges, beating levels, whatever. But, like, at level 70, it's you have to get, like, twelve or 15,000 experience per level, and some of these challenges are giving you 200, 500 experience. One of, one of them is, like, all right, 5,000 experience, but you have to beat 200. You have to win 200 matches in competitive. And I'm like, I will probably never win one match in competitive. Playing games like Combo Wombo, and you got dudes going off for fucking 12 million point combos. I'm like, I, I my biggest combo is like not even a half million, you know? So, right. fuck, man. I don't know um, if I'll ever platinum it, but I'm trying. I'm, I'm whittling away at it every day, and it's fun. Uh, the soundtrack's good. I've been making my own Tony Hawk soundtracks, which is actually a really fun challenge, and I would, I would challenge you to do that. Because it's not just put together a good playlist. You have to adopt the sort of Tony Hawk ethos. Like, what makes a good Tony Hawk soundtrack? It's it's not just energy, right? It's not just shuffling a bunch of, like, songs you like. It's not any hip-hop. <laughs> hey, listen, you want to go into the hip-hop thing? I was just, just yanking your chain. They were up my ass about it. it gets your goat. <laughs> well, dude, it, it was so irritating. So, for context, like, I made, like, a post-hardcore metalcore playlist. My band... We're a heavy rock band, and a lot of people are playing this game. So we made our own playlist, set it to public, and we're just pushing it. We're like, hey, like, what what would a, a post-hardcore metalcore playlist look like instead of like a skater punk ska hip-hop playlist, you know? And uh, yeah, Andrew, Windows Defender, Chavez texts me. He's like, you left out hip-hop? You really toggled hip-hop off back in the day? I'm like, well, first of all, the original game didn't have any fucking hip-hop in it at all. Zero. Zip. First game also only had like like 15 tracks. <laughs> right. Technically, the first game did have an Anthrax song that had a rapper on it, but... Wasn't it the Public Enemy one? Or was that uh, Tony Hawk 2 that had that Anthrax, Public Enemy, Turn It Up, Bring the Noise? I, maybe that's was what the, it is. Was that in Tony Hawk 1 or 2? I can't remember. I think it's Tony Hawk 1. I think. Yeah, it's definitely a hip-hop song with like metal guitar happening occasionally. That's what I was referencing at the beginning of this this fucking conversation, you piece of shit. And they've got point fucking five hip hop songs in the original game. But anyway, I was like, the whole point of the playlist was to make a different genre of playlist. There's no fucking gorilla radio in this shit. You know, this is fucking post hardcore metalcore. <laughs> that the most that right there elicits such a particular feeling. Watching it's like the old a skate video tapes. being like matched together. Yeah, the intro. Yeah, yeah, good shit, dude. But uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. You need to play it, dude. I need you to pick it up. It's just... I'll get to it. I don't know. I'll buy it on sale or something. I'll give you my epic login, and you can just fucking play it on my account. That shit's hot. My epic login. You'll give you my epic account. My Steam family library, okay? Yeah, dude. Hook it up. Shit's hot, man. I've wasted hours and hours, and now we've had the wildfires out here, and thankfully, I mean, you're probably 10 miles from evac zone. I think I'm four miles yeah, we're not in, we're not even at stage one yet. So yeah, yeah. And, uh, so luckily we're staying planted, but the smoke is so bad. I haven't even been able to go outside for my daily three mile walk. I'm just stuck. Yeah, air quality was at like the in the four hundreds today. It's so it's bad. Supposed to get better till Monday. I'm I wonder like how long the prolonged exposure, like how bad that's going to be for people after people are still having health problems after nine eleven, and I'm like that was like a few days of. 0.9% asbestos particles and people are having like lifelong problems. I'm like, 
What's this going to be like? Depends on how many asbestos trees burned down. Well, dude, we've I think like six towns have been wiped off the map in the last week in Oregon. Whole towns. Yeah. So how much asbestos do you think went up in flames in those fucking backwater towns whose you know homes probably built how long ago? How many 9-11s worth of asbestos <laughs> Damn. Were, were torched? That's brutal. Well, it's been pretty bad, man. It's been rough. So I've just been sitting inside and building Legos and playing Tony Hawk like a fucking eight-year-old again. Wait, what other Lego sets you got? I, th- I figured you would have been finished with your NES and TV thing. Dude, the NES is probably the best, most enjoyable build I've ever done. Uh, and I built a lot of Legos in my day. I actually just... Happy to hear it. Happy to hear it from you. I'll, I'll send you a picture of this later, but I finally hung a bunch of shelves in my office, and I finally built my UCS Falcon after two years, and I have my UCS Slave 1 that I finally put back together. And I have all, all the other sets I had as a kid. So I basically only buy stuff I had as a kid and the original, like, in the box, sealed. And I, you know, I do the whole, the whole thing. You smell the paper. You go through the, the promotional magazine they included in those old sets. Just pure nostalgia. Rub the paper on your, on your junk. They, oh, yeah. I'm going to fuck these Legos. No. <laughs> so, so I only buy the sets I had as a kid, and then I buy the, like, ultimate... Um, collectors like display pieces right so ucs stands for yeah ultimate, ultimate collector, collector series um God damn it it's like ten and a half thousand pieces the millennium falcon's like three feet across it's the most insane all right where's your death star thing. i don't have the death star because they've never made a good death star set i wouldn't spend 500 dollars. have they all been too small they've been too small not spherical enough and they don't have the outside it's like an inside look only i'm like no no, no i want a fucking spherical death star with all the what texture about the, details. What about the Death Star Mark II or whatever, where it's still being built and you can see inside of it? I feel like that'd be a good one to do. Yeah, I, I just don't like the set. It's too expensive. What about a Lego Starkiller base? Uh, don't do, don't do that to me. I don't own any sequel or the, Legos, or the, and I won't. The the just a fleet of one of the Star Destroyers that Palpatine had Death Star rays on inexplicably. <laughs> Dude, I would buy a uh, to scale um, Metal Gear. Yeah, contraption for for Palpatine. Oh yeah, the cool arm, the fucking boom arm, like <laughs> like Portal Two. Yeah, bring him to me. Yeah, that's some scary shit, bro. But anyway, the Lego NES set, dude, was so fucking cool. Like you, like you see the videos, and you're like, oh, you pop the back off, and you have World, you know, one two on the back with the pipes, and oh, that's cute. And then oh, you turn the the wheel, and Mario runs across World one one. Oh, the gap. Oh, that's fun. But then I was when I was building it. Every like fifth or sixth of the way through, I would say there was a moment where you you have that eureka moment. You snap that piece together, and you're like, "Oh, I see how that works now." Like the engineering in the set is so fucking cool. So I constantly have these moments where I'm like, "That is fucking clever. That is very cool." Whereas like the UCS Falcon, like I said, like fucking ten thousand some pieces. I did not enjoy any part of that until after two years, it ended up on my shelf. <laughs> It was not a fun build. It was really hard to get through. It was very tedious. But yeah, shout out, dude. I want a Lego SNES. I want the N64. Give me all the consoles, bro. Give me a Lego Game Boy. That's the thing is I've noticed throughout the years that Nintendo has this weird boner for the NES and with OG Mario. And it's the worst Nintendo home console and the worst Mario visually. Yep. But they, they show no love for any other Mario besides that one. And it's, it really it sucks. Like, you're not going to get a Super Nintendo. You're not going to get a Mario World Lego-like thing. It's just going to be a shitty Mario 
gross yellow Mario and the bad grave like box. Looks like a like a a weird fucking VHS rewinder from the mid eighties. <laughs> At least for the thirty fifth anniversary, like they're actually re releasing games, and they're not nickel and diming us on the fucking eShop for thirty five bucks a piece. They're putting out a real compilation, which and let's dive into this. I know people are pissed because Nintendo fans are a bunch of fucking piss babies, but dude, I'm all in on Super Mario fucking 3D All-Stars. Like that's three all-time Nintendo games with like not remastered graphics, but better resolution and real controls. It's a, I don't know about the, I don't know about the real controls. I feel like they're not going to go whole hog with that. Like you're not going to be able to actually freely rotate the camera in Mario 64. You're going to still be stuck with the C buttons clicking and it's not going to be able to be inverted. You're not going to be able to change your controls. It's good. I guarantee you fucking Mario 64. You're going to be jumping with the A button on the right. You're going to be doing the same with Mario Sunshine and it's going to be very disconcerting. <laughs> I really hope they don't do that. Well, look at the NES online where you have to use B and A. Damn it, Nintendo. And also, why not Galaxy 2? Why are they doing this arbitrary only three games thing? Is it because $60 isn't like worth enough for four games? Four games that are 10 plus years old? I mean, I haven't played the Galaxy games, but I'm like, isn't Galaxy 2 just the same? Just more of the same? Like literally the yeah, same so why not shit? do both? <laughs> well... Because what they can do is sell this collection for 60 bucks, and if it does well, they can turn around and sell, uh, you know, Galaxy 2 as a standalone. It's, it's just weird, you know? It's like buying, oh, here, let's watch the Star Wars, every Star Wars movie, and it doesn't come with, you know, Episode 6. Like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll remaster that one later. It's a collection. Just give me all of them. Yeah. Why arbitrarily not include one of them? When you already did the work to make one of them work, and it's the same game engine, like, dude, just give them both. <laughs> weird yeah i don't know i don't understand it i'm sure we'll, we'll we'll come to know the full extent of nintendo's nefarious plans you know we always find out why nintendo do things after the fact right yeah so break down this 35th reveal i was asleep through the whole thing i basically only got a couple of snippets on twitter slash group chat so what what's what's going on with the timed nature of the release what the fuck is this all about yeah i can't think of there's no good like defense of that they did the same thing for the uh, Mario All-Stars on the Wii, which was just a disc with the virtual console release of the Super <laughs> Nintendo game yeah. on there, yeah. which is funny. But they made, that was a limited edition, but then they started reselling it again when they did the Nintendo Selects version of it. But I don't understand. I mean, it's at least they told us beforehand, but that also makes it worse because people are like speculating that it's going to be a low print run, but there's no you know scalpers like it's already sold out on amazon i think depending on your region but it's not gonna be sold out digitally even though they're not selling it digitally after march so i don't i don't understand the the logic like it's only his birthday for these six months we can't celebrate his 35th birthday after that that's absurd what are we gonna do when his 40th birthday happens we want to sell these games again (laughs) what's gonna happen is you're gonna be able to buy it by you know by q3 2021 you're gonna be able to buy this game again it's just that they have nothing. They have nothing. I mean, this has been such a quiet year from Nintendo, you know, post Animal Crossing, which took off in a way that not even Nintendo could have predicted, uh, which is great. But they had nothing else up their sleeves for this year. So they're trying to end strong with a good fourth quarter because they have nothing. Based on um, like an associated website, I can't remember what region it was in, but there was something basically saying that like all these events sort of tied around to the 35th anniversary were supposed to be starting to happen in April. So clearly stuff got pushed back internally, but they just didn't say anything because you can't delay a game that's not announced. So I, I, I'm not really 
subscribe to that kind of conspiracy theory, but it still doesn't explain why they would only sell it for six months or a year or like why even keep a, a timed exclusive kind of thing. It's, I don't know. It's very strange. Also, this is the first time they've sold a uh, uh, fucking sunshine since the GameCube one. Even though the Wii could natively play it and the Wii U could natively play it, they'd never put them on the digital storefronts because the Wii never sold digital GameCube games for whatever reason. Same with the Wii U. Same with the Switch. <laughs> like Same with the Switch. I mean, but they're not native. They're not native. You can't natively play GameCube games on the Switch. It's different architecture. That's true. But uh, a couple of, you know, dudes in their mom's basement is able to make like what's arguably the greatest emulator of all time in you know dolphin why hasn't nintendo put fucking gamecube games on the eShop? you know not to downplay the probably more than a couple dudes that work on dolphin <laughs> well i mean how extensive of a team can they have They're, it's not a for-profit thing they're not selling dolphin how do they do i mean it's just a labor of love and these guys have made a, a phenomenal product i mean, not even a product you don't buy the damn thing yeah, they've been making it for 15 years. The fact that it literally, they stopped selling this game, quote unquote, you know, on the last day of the quarter, it's like, come on. Come on. A little transparent there, buds. Little yeah. bit. I mean, it works. On principle, I have to be mad about it because I hate artificial scarcity. It's fucking stupid. You should make enough product for anyone who wants one to have one. And to an extent, this... I mean, if you're going to buy this, you probably already own a Switch. I don't think this is a system seller. It's just sort of annoying that you're making it so you can only buy it in a a, sh- a window. You know, these aren't going to run out. Mario games don't sell out, you know? Right. Anyone who wants this game is going to buy this game in the next six months. And if you don't, you probably didn't want the game. Right. But it's it's just annoying for anyone who wants to be a late adopter. They've got to jump through like weird wheels, you know, trying to get get into it. Yeah, I mean, the, the the other controversy, I guess, on the internet is people just complaining that Nintendo's, you know, like, oh, really? You just up the fucking game, like, and selling it for $60? Meanwhile, you have all these other phenomenal remakes. Obviously, the same week that's announced, Tony Hawk comes out, and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say this is the greatest remaster of all time, but you had, you've, you've had Crash, you've had Spyro. What are some other notable remakes that I'm I'm not thinking of at the moment? Like the Resident Evil ones, I guess. Sure, yeah, sure. I'm trying to think of like bigger, bigger stuff too. Like not like oh, GTA Shadow came the Colossus. out. Yeah, that had a a remake. Yeah, Nintendo was just slapping the same old shit together and selling it for Link's Awakening last year, dog. Yeah, yeah. Was that a full price game? Was that a forty dollar game? That was a sixty dollar game, my yeah. dude. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's Nintendo for you. Let's remake this thirty dollar Game Boy title again. <laughs> yeah. I pre-ordered it. I'm gonna Same. be I'm gonna be playing uh, Mario Galaxy probably first, just because you've been on me to play those games for so long and I just never have. Good games. I think they are the style of Mario that you would appreciate more than the exploration style. It's a lot closer to the way like 3D World is kind of set up. It's more stage based, which we're getting in uh, 2021. Yeah, February. February. Another another of the the Wii U ports plus a little bit of DLC after the fact. To try and trick you into thinking it's justified for it to be $60 still. Even though, if you wanted to buy that game on Wii U, it probably would still cost $60. Because I don't think it ever hit the selects. I also, I don't know why people get mad. Though, oh, I'm playing a six-year-old game or an eight-year-old game or whatever. I'm like, well, nobody played it. And it's definitely a $60 title. So why are you complaining? Just because it came out eight years ago? Like, who cares? They're selling it for, like, if the content justifies the price, I don't give a shit if it's fucking 30 years old. You know what I mean? 
it's just a problem. Most remasters, like the Tony Hawk one, despite everything they added, combined two games, it is still not justifiably $60. There's just not enough content for it. So you have to price accordingly. Super Mario 3D World is one of the most expansive Mario games. I mean, it falls in this weird niche because I say it's the best 3D Mario game, but it is not part of the 3D Mario trilogy because of the fixed camera. It's structured definitely much like a, a 2D Mario game. Exactly. But it's it's by far my favorite Mario game. I think it is the best Mario game. And I know you could argue for like five other Mario games as being the best and, and it is objective and whatever, but I've played, I've played all of them except for Galaxy. And 3D World, I think it's got it's got the tightest mechanics. It's got the best atmosphere. It is a very concise experience. Uh, but nobody played it. It was on the fucking Wii U, you know? I liked 3D World, but it was never exciting to play. It was just sort of like doing the thing. It was very slow, which I don't really like. I think uh, Mario Odyssey probably has the least amount of complaints from me. Just It felt really good to move around that world and... Mario has to feel good to move around. Just didn't seem like there was enough things that you could do. And like you're locked into eight way movement in 3d world, which is like subtle, but like it kind of stuck out. If they were to make a sequel to it, there are things they could improve on, but I liked how they took the 2d formula and they made it more interactive and they made it more expansive and it's bite sized. You know, Odyssey is this huge, it's this monolithic thing. You're exploring these big worlds and you have all these different collectibles. You got to, you have to come back, you know, after you learn new moves and to, to get certain collectibles. And I'm like, you know what? I just like playing a level that's bite-sized. I can come and play three levels. I can drop the game for a week, come back. It's not the most challenging Mario game in the world. So No, I'd say it's maybe the easiest. Sunshine might be the hardest. Sunshine I only played a couple hours of, but it's it's hard to even be like, yep, that's a Mario game. Sunshine has a lot of really cool like ideas. I liked that it was a cohesive world, that there wasn't just like, and now the fire area, and here's the castle, and here's the boo area. Like everything was very tied to the island theme, and that was like they executed on that, and it paid off. And you still got like the vibes of that stuff. Like when you go to the hotel and it's a haunted hotel, like that's like cool and it fits in because it's like a resort hotel, you know, like very island themed. But yeah, it was a little bit rushed out when they finished it initially. So there's still like the blue coins kind of suck and like. There's this weird difficulty spike at the end, but I, I think it's still worth playing and I hope you get a chance to actually put some real time into it just because I know like our buddy Claire, you that's like her favorite Mario game. And so you've probably gotten the the speeches about that, but you should check it out at the very least. And Galaxy, you need to like, you need to play through Galaxy and then play through it again as Luigi. Like that shit's really good. That'll be the first one I play next week. I, I will play Galaxy for you. All right. bro. That's next week. Yeah, that's crazy. That's the cool thing about this announcement is that, and it's out in two weeks. Like, I like that at least. You don't have to wait like six months for it to come out. And they dropped the, uh, they also dropped Super Mario All-Stars uh, for the Super Nintendo online uh, day of. Yeah, which I've never, never actually played the Super Nintendo version of that. I've only ever played the ports for the Game Boy Advance. So I kind of want to play Mario 1, play a couple levels of that and be like, yeah, it is weird. It is weird how you can just jump through the blocks when you're big Mario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they just don't know how to make their own physics work, I guess, on Super Nintendo. So uh, a few months ago, I sent you a link. I was doing research on I wanted wanted to get an updated backlit Game Boy, right? I had a Game Boy Advance that used a, a AGS 101 Game Boy Advance SP screen, but it, you know it's on the lowest, brightest setting. You know the AGS 101 has ghosting issues. You say issues, I say 
the games were designed with that in mind. Well, they weren't though because the original screens didn't have ghosting. So maybe some later games were. They had, were, they had more ghosting on the OG screens. On the SP or the original Game Boy Advance? Original Game Boy Advance. I don't know, dude. The SP was a whole different beast. I think the original SP had the same screen, but it was just front lit, and it wasn't until the 101 that actually had backlit screens. So the Game Boy Advance had less ghosting than the original Game Boy, but it still had like it would have like the residual sort of pixels. But developers would use that. They would do the checkerboarding with water effects, so they wouldn't have to use any alpha. So then they would just flicker it back and forth. They did that a lot more on the Game Boy, but. I think they did that a little bit on the Game Boy Advance too, depending on who was making the game. I think some more advanced games, like some of the Castlevania games on the GBA, took advantage of that. My main issue with like later games in the Game Boy Advance is that developers would like wash out the colors because they were developing them for the most commonly sold SKU, which was the OG Game Boy Advance, no backlight. So they would make it like super light. So when you play on an emulator, if you play on a 101, then it just looks like this bright, nasty image is just like shooting right into your eyeballs. So there's actually like mods and hacks of uh, games that you can get that fix the color palette, which is kind of interesting. Well, in my research, you know, I'm trying to figure out like, you know, you've got Ben Van who does a lot of great mods. You get new TN panels. Funny Playing, this company called Funny Playing does really, really good backlight kits for both the GBC and the GBA. And the Game Boy Color for years and years that was kind of the thing. The modding community was, oh, we'll never get a backlight Game Boy screen. The, you know, the cost of development would be way too high. There's just not a reliable way to do it. Well, some fucking madman did it and made them super cheap and they're super high quality. Where there's like more than 100 people who want a thing, there is a Chinese warehouse that just makes them for dollars. Well, that's the thing is I'm sure they're sourcing a lot of the stuff from China, but it's not a Chinese company. You know, it's not like AliExpress. Give it a month. Those screens are really bad. But uh, yeah, so the funny playing screens are, are gorgeous IPS panels. You know, better brightness, better response time. It's got like 10 levels of brightness. So anyway, I'm doing my research and I say you this guy who does custom machined metal like anodized shells for the Game Boy's uh, original Game Boy, Game Boy Color and the GBA. And they look just really, and he does like metal buttons as well. And they look really fucking cool. Like the amount of work it takes to like engineer that and get it right down to the, you know, the fucking millimeter, the, the amount of, you know, experimenting and it fascinated me. So I ordered two of them. I ordered a Game Boy Color and a Game Boy Advance. I will say the metal buttons. Some people won't have a problem I with them. I wouldn't want metal buttons. The metal buttons actually felt good. They were just a little too tight for me. Mm-hmm. And not like clicky tight, like the original DS or something. Like they just, they needed to be a slightly smaller, I guess. Speaking really quick to like clicky buttons though, my ideal uh, Game Boy mod would be just give me the Game Boy Advance but with instead of the rubber pads, I want the clicky buttons from the SP. Yeah, on a Game Boy Advance. The SP. Oh. So like the original DS, the original DS had the clicky buttons too. Mm-hmm. And that shit was super hot fire. It's the worst thing about the DS Lite is they got rid of those nice, nice buttons. Yeah, the mushy they gave buttons. Gave the, the sharp D pad from the Wii, which I also hate. I don't like the D pad on the Wii or the D pad on the DS Lite. Give me that DS OG Fat Boy clicky button time. It's my favorite DS. Well, I mean, nostalgia and the buttons, but like the screen sucked and the design was just so gross. It was so big. Visually, the DS Lite is much more appealing, but it does not feel as good in the hand. I don't like the little ridges that are on the front of the face. I don't understand why that was. How How do they ever let that get through? <laughs> and then I don't like the buttons being squishy buttons either. So anyway, I bought these um, 
I just wasn't patient. We have the analog pocket. I just wasn't uh, I just wasn't patient enough. I was like, I don't want to wait a year. I have games I want to play now. I want to play Pokemon again. It's summer, you know? I just want to... I had ordered the flashcards, and I said, I just want to play some of these games the right way, you know? So anyway, it feels... The Game Boy Advance came. It feels really good. I'm still waiting on the Game Boy Color. But the analog pocket's coming. You pre-ordered two of them, correct? Yes, one of each color and a dock for myself. Did you have to pay for those up front? I'm assuming that you know. I believe so. Oh, really? I believe I did. I'd have to check my bank account, but I'm pretty sure you should check take your money up because if I owe you money, then I owe you money. I thought they wouldn't charge you till they actually ship next year. Pretty sure I'd have to check. Yeah, I'm check and let me sure. know. I'm very sad uh, at the lack of dock situation. I got to say, I'm I'm heartbroken over that. I'm sorry. I mean, if you had gotten up and ordered it yourself, then uh, that's true. You would have gotten what you wanted, but instead, I didn't know what you wanted, so I just didn't want to spend the extra hundred dollars. So I just got you the. Just got you the handheld console. That's Sorry. fair. Hopefully, I'm able to get a dock at some point. But knowing how analog yeah, works, to, they're supposed to reopen um, pre-orders, but there would probably be a second shipment of that, I guess. And you probably wouldn't get the dock until yeah summer. I'll fucking the eBay earliest, it. I'll do it. God guess. damn it! Don't eBay a dock, bro. Well, it's one. I I understand production issues, especially in a, in a new post-COVID world. If that's the problem, but like, come on. I mean, all their products. Uh, and I feel like an idiot for not buying an analog Super NT months ago when they were available. Because they sell for so much now. And that would have been a really nice thing to have is their series of of, of consoles. But they've gotten progressively more sought after, I guess. Like the original run of the analog NT was too expensive to be highly sought after until like now. Because they were selling like from themselves for like five or six hundred dollars. Yeah, I want to say. Yeah. Then they did the Super NT, which I think was three hundred, which is more affordable. Then they did the NT Mini, which I think was two fifty or three hundred. But both of those sold out because they're actually you know a, a fairly acceptable price range. And then the Analog Pocket sold out within eight minutes. I think just ridiculous. Very quick. I'm shocked you yeah. even got one, dude. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I had an alarm set. I was after work, so I was already home. I think it was like 8 a.m. that they opened up pre-orders, so I was like, I was good to go. And I I figured you would have done the same because you seemed like you were very interested, and you said, if if I'm not, if I don't tell you that I've secured it, then get me one. So I was like, yeah, sure, you do the same for me. But So 8 o'clock is in that fucked up range for me where like I'm up till like 5 in the morning every day, and if I'm up till 8, I'll have a headache for four days. So like I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to wake up early either. I was like, ah, I just got to trust like Nick. like a, a midnight siesta. <laughs> See, I need, to, I need to... Dude, lately, I've been doing this thing where I go to bed at 4 or 5 in the morning, and I wake up at 9, and then I have a headache, and I take a nap in the afternoon, and I hate it. You're on that 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 double sleep schedule? I've it's done that for a bit. Up. It's fucked up. I like it. It's good. It's nah, good you, shit. You, do, you do it once, and your body's like, this is how Two we do four-hour sleeps a day? Uh, nah. I'm oof. okay with that. Up for eight, down for four. Up for eight, down for four. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you work graveyard, it's like a good thing because then you get to interact with the world and not feel like a total piece of shit. You think me interacting with the world is the highlight of my day? <laughs> well, you know, you have responsibilities and a girlfriend and a dog to take care of. So, yeah, like it's better to be awake yeah, while the rest of the world sure. is. Sure, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the analog. Talk to me. Why, why is this so appealing to you? I mean, it's appealing to me because it's got a backlit screen and it doesn't feel like it was, you know, manufactured in the year 2000. So I'm, I'm already sold. I'll pay anything for that. But A, what is about the analog sticks out to you? But also like somewhere along the way, you picked up this fascination with the handheld. Game Boy shit's super cool. 
and it was very affordable to like scratch that nostalgia itch without you know having to walk down the path of super nintendo carts you know and i feel like i just played more game boy than i played super nintendo in general when i was a kid but just the all the analog products seem like they're just really well made by all accounts and instead of doing a strict emulation it's emulating the hardware so it's using what's called a fpga which stands for full something gate array fully programmable gate array which is like a fancy way of saying they it's not emulation but it sort of is it's like hardware it's just dialed in and it's it's just super nice and i mean it comes with the ports that you can plug your game boy games into and i have all these game boy games be nice to be able to play them on something that isn't a game boy advance and actually have like a headphone out I want to play with headphones or hook it up to my TV or hook it up to my capture card so I can stream from real hardware my real games. Is that a promise, Nicholas? So you can stream on twitch.tv slash death? I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, hold you to it, bucko. What better way to celebrate me getting my new toy than cracking that sucker open on a stream and plugging her in and yeah. playing around for a little bit, you know? Yeah. Play some Donkey Kong Land or some shit. So <laughs> earlier... Oh God, this must have been a year ago. This must have been last spring-ish. Um, you were streaming a lot and I remember being at my parents' house and I was like, I was just hanging out in bed going through like Pokemon cards or something. I had been going out, you know, last year with Daniel, the little brother, and like, you know, buying cards and taking around to all these old shops. And I'm just sitting there like watching you stream Game Boy games and you were playing, I think, Pokemon Crystal. And after about two hours, I'd like dip down for a nap. You know, just a little, little twenty minute, little siesta, right? And Daniel comes in. You're, you like swore, you said fuck or something, and Daniel creepily, apparently, just chilling, watching my laptop that's sitting on the bed while I'm sleeping, gasps and wakes me up, <gasps> and is like, Nick just said a bad word. <laughs> I'm like, no shit, asshole, watch you wake me up. So to this day, he's gonna do tell on me. <laughs> so to this day. Over a year later, whenever I bring up Nick, and he's like, he always gets my friends confused. You know, the, the fat, bald one is Max. Brandon, the big guy who wrestled me. That's how he describes Brandon. And then with you yep. now, he says, the one who said the F word on Twitch. <laughs> yep. That's him. <laughs> the one who said the F word on Twitch. Notorious. I could put that on my Twitter profile. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I like when you stream because... A lot of the time, I'll even just put you on like a podcast and just listen to you chat and play your games. And it's like the comfort of my homie who I haven't seen in fucking nine months uh, in my pocket. Sometimes I'll watch and put on the big screen when I'm on the couch and talk shit while you die at Mario Maker. You don't talk shit enough. You're the one that's like talking shit in real life, but I can't hear you in real life. You got to be like typing it out so I can see it. <laughs> that, that's that's the honestly the biggest barrier to me with Twitch is like interacting by typing with somebody who's talking at me is just so obtuse. I hate it. I hate it. That's why you got to stream and just patch me on a Discord call so we can fucking chat while you're doing your thing. I'll guarantee you this right now. Nobody wants that. Have you ever tried watching someone stream and you just hear all their shitty friends talking in the background? It sucks. Well, I lots of shitty friends suck. But like I watch Bob Wolf stream and he has a guy who like kind of moderates but is mostly just there chatting with him and it's fucking great. It's fucking great. I could be that guy for you you could be my guy in the chair yes make this a spider-man reference also speaking of spider-man watched uh far from home last week finally it was all right it was fine 
It's fine. Yeah. The new the new Spider-Man movies are fine. It's not what I want out of Spider-Man, but I appreciate that they're not bad. Homecoming was infinitely better. That also was fine to me. Keaton Vulture was just... That was cool. He was very cool. Jill Hall Mysterio. Whatever. I liked him. I liked him. I, I will say the, the sequence, spoiler alert for Spider-Man Far From Home, the sequence when he goes into the fucking fever dream, that is everything I ever wanted from a Mysterio sequence in a movie. That was flawless. But yeah, it was like... It was mostly just whatever. Like I, I, I care less about the fucking teen dramedy. Like I want Spider Man, man. You know what I mean? Peter Parker should be there to service Spider Man, not the other way around. And I feel like they've, and some people might disagree with me, but I feel like they put way too much into this. Like I don't care about. Like I want Spider Man to be Spider Man, and him in the fucking black suit swinging around Europe is like not Spider Man to me. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's still better than any of the Raimi movies and infinitely better than the the Andrew Garfield ones. See, the Raimi movies, the first two Raimi movies don't necessarily hold up as well, but they also have this Raimi camp that is so perfect for a character like Spider-Man. Sure, the direction was good, but the story and like what they focused on were not. And and Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker was yeah. just bad. yeah. He was a bad Peter Parker. He was a good Spider-Man, bad Peter Parker. He wasn't, he wasn't even a good Spider-Man. He was just Tobey Maguire. He was serviceable. He was milquetoast <laughs> as fuck, bro. <laughs> but I mean, you can't deny the impeccable casting of Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin. Flawless. Norman Osborn. Save that you know, movie. He's a bit of a scientist himself. <laughs> he was. All right. Back to formula. <laughs> fuck, man. He was great, though. You know, Spider-Man awesome. 2, what's his face is Doc Ock. Also very good. Real quick, I want to loop back to the to the analog because there's something that I definitely will not take advantage of, but I know you probably will play with it, and I'm excited to see it. The the music thing? Yeah, the little chip tune. I don't know enough about it. It's weird that they don't have LSDJ, but they're doing that one. I feel like LSDJ is the much more popular software, but maybe they just couldn't license it or something. I was actually I don't know what LSDJ stands for, what it is, but I know it's a music thing. Little Sound DJ. Okay. I saw something about that today actually on a, a Crix EverDrive forum. People use the EverDrive specifically for Yeah. Okay. They use flashcards for that so they can use real hardware when they're mixing. Do like live shows and stuff. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what comes of that. Um, you know, you fuck around with music every once in a while and sometimes you make some cool shit. Cool that they have a pack in. I'm kinda surprised they aren't packing in like one of the indie games that have been made. It's also cool that they're putting in the GB Maker in the in the Game Boy as well. I, I believe, right? I couldn't packaging it with a couple things. I think it's got the the GB Maker, which is cool, and it's something that I've wanted to tool, tool around with. That would be really cool. That's something you should do on stream for the people. Nah, it's too much. Or you could at least pressure. You stream for me anyway, while I eat nachos and watch you doodle. Cool. <laughs> I saw sure. I saw you were on the Discord last night. Um. I turned my laptop on because my laptop died in the middle of our chat last night. And when I when I plugged it back in and I turned it on, it like automatically called you. Yeah, I saw that. It, it didn't like give me any notification for it though, which is weird. Okay, because I came back to my laptop and it said, like when I opened it back up after it charged, it said that it ended like a seventeen minute call with you or something. And I was like, ah, I don't remember that. Yeah, I saw you guys were fucking around with more music stuff yesterday, and I saw, I checked all your links this morning and shit. Yeah, making some bardcore. Bardcore, dude. <laughs> I was downloading downloading some lutes and mandolins. We did a cover of a, a Linkin Park song. That's super cool. I heard Pretty you cool. started working on Id by Vale Maya. Yeah, I covered, I covered Id. So are you just downloading? Are these MIDI maps, do they already exist? 
in the world. The Lincoln Park one existed as a MIDI. The Veil of Maya one, I had to go to a tab website and then draw it out myself. Okay, that sounds which like a took lot. a little bit more time, but it was still it was fine. It only took like an hour or two to do one song. Well, you made the intro for our podcast, which is a very cool little thing. I always I always wondered what it would sound like if that if we did like a real live band cover of of the intro which i could do that that'd be it would still be like programmed a little bit but it would sound okay i have a i have a really high quality sample pack now for drums so i could do drums yeah, didn't you get the the sturges pack or the putney pack or something uh i got the bo burchell from seosin he's a producer now i got the his pro sound pack or whatever so that's cool but anyway well, I'll have your people call my people and yeah, we'll figure that we'll out. We'll set something up. We'll set something up. Uh, so a few more things here. A lot of big things have happened. And I know we're kind of like over an hour into this podcast already, but we can blow through some of this. I'm going to let you take your pick here. This is fucking topic roulette for you, bro. We got Xbox League. We got PlayStation, question mark. We got Epic Apple Store drama. And we have Xbox again, but this time the Halo drama that we missed from like two months ago. What do you want to talk about? I am leaning towards Epic and Apple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because it's the big mama drama that's rocking the rocking the rocking the streets. The airwaves are a buzz with Epic People Games. People are talking. Lives are on the line. No, nothing's on the line. <laughs> there, there's some serious precedent that could be set with this lawsuit True. and whatever the outcome is. I believe that as well. So b- break break it down for the people, Nick. Okay, so this is all just you know spitting from the back of my mind. But I want to say like a month ago or so, Epic just decided one day, hey, we're going to put this plan in motion. We're going to start sidestepping the Apple ecosystem on iPhone and giving players the option, hey, you can can buy this $10 bundle of V-Bucks, which is like their, you know, their currency that they sell, or you can buy it directly from us and spend $8 for the same amount of stuff. Because everybody knows this sort of like a, it's not a secret, but Apple takes a 30% cut of all money transactions made through their um, iOS store. So, so to clarify, if you bought it in the app, you are paying the Apple tax, but if you were to go like in your browser and buy it, it would show up on your account, but you're circumventing Apple's. Yes. Okay. But Apple doesn't want uh, developers to show people that they have the option to buy elsewhere and also it's a convenience thing like i think it's similar with like comiXology and other um apps that uh you can buy things and then use those things on your phone but they don't allow you to buy them on the phone anymore because apple would take a cut so you have to like go through a browser and buy it that way and then it's redeemed on your account and then you use your account to log in and look at the things you own this explains why you can't fucking buy anything on the goddamn amazon apps holy shit i never knew that yeah. Wow. Okay. But it's only it's only the game things. Like I don't understand exactly why there is a um like a separation like for media, I believe because I think it's well, I mean, there's a reason why. It's because Apple has uh competitors in that market. So if you want to buy a a movie on Amazon, Apple would rather you buy it through iTunes. And because they own the platform, they want you to they want their cut or they want you to buy it through their thing so they don't have to give a cut at all. They get the whole, you know, the whole piece of the pie. Right. What's what's the version of the Play Store on, on iOS? Is this the, the, the App Store? App Store. The Apple, the App yeah, Store. App yeah. Store. But it's not even just, it's just games. Like, 
if I download, if you have the Amazon app and you buy, you know, a, a bed sheet for your house, uh, Apple's not getting 30% of that money. Right. Not getting 30% of your PayPal funds. You're not taking a cut when you send me cash app stuff. It's only through games and things that Apple has direct competitors for essentially, but also not because they're not taking a cut of your cash app sending. They would just rather you use their version of the cash app, which I think do they own Venmo. I can't remember. Facebook owns Venmo. Um, okay. So it's, it's just very shady practices. Obviously they're trying to make money. So this is really just Epic rightfully. I think finally said, wait, 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 why would we give any money to Apple? We can just, let's just make this cheaper and consumer friendly and we make more money. Right. Yeah, it's it's a ludicrous thing. So so the drama is that Apple got petty. They said, we don't like that you're doing this. I don't think it was violating a terms of service, right? No, that's part of the terms of service is that you can't circumvent the uh, Apple economy of taking money from people, basically. You can't process payments individually. It has to be processed through the App Store. But again, like you brought up, you know, it's they're not processing Amazon payments or Cash App going on or or you know what right. I mean? eBay. So it's just so the precedent it's just Apple being very specific with the things that they allow and don't allow. Right. So Epic said, "Fuck you, bro," because Apple got petty about it and they were like, "Okay, uh, we're rescinding your development status or developer status." Oh man! And so Epic is is lawyering up. They get that China money, bro. They got forty percent ownership by a ten cent, but it's not like Apple doesn't make money from China either via not spending very much on like processor parts and stuff. Apple's going to end up a trillion dollar company. You know, it already is. They already passed a trillion. Are you serious? Yeah. Jesus. When did that happen? I think the day after this whole fiasco went down with Epic. Damn, that's really crazy. funny because you hear people like people, you know, big commentary whizzes on the internet talking about you know epic's not a small company it's like well dude if you're a 17 billion dollar company versus a multi-trillion dollar company you are definitely a small company i don't think people like can grasp those are not comparable how much money a trillion <laughs> versus a billion versus a million is it's absurd yeah exponential it's 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 i mean just visualizing one bill or one million versus one billion you've probably seen the guy on the internet with the fucking beans or whatever on, on the desk or like the minecraft thing Right, right, right. It's that's an unfathomable gap. One trillion, bro. Yeah, no, they're a two trillion dollar company. That's insane. August fourth. That's unreal. The world's man. most valuable company. Wow. So yeah, I'd say that definitely Epic is uh, fighting the bigger fish in this scenario, and I th- I believe with the intention of wanting to have their own storefront on iOS, which yes is self serving, but it is also like yeah. Why not have multiple storefronts on the platform? It'd be weird if you couldn't have Steam on Windows because Microsoft didn't make Steam. And that's why Windows got hit with antitrust stuff in the late 90s because they were disincentivizing people downloading alternate browsers from Internet Explorer. Like even just using an Internet browser was a big enough deal back in the 90s. But now everyone just takes it with strides that you're on iPhone and you just have to get everything from Apple because they make the they make the hardware. It's like, well. No one gives a shit. You, it's a multi-surface device. Like everyone does everything with their phones now. Their phones are their computers. So I, I think it's a bit bizarre that anyone would want to defend Apple for being the ones who make the hardware and it being a false monopoly. Because if you wanted to, you can get an Android. Like yeah, sure, but that's not the same. There's there is something to be said for 
the way Apple does things in the sense that like the, the level of quality, you know, is much higher than, than what you might find in other stores. What I'm confused about is again, they allow these other apps, Amazon, and you can download the fucking margin noble app and buy shit. You know, it's like they already have all these individual storefronts essentially. So Epic's trying to like, they want their game client on the, you know, it's like, that's a whole different realm, I think. So my, my uh, initial thought was, oh, they're fighting to like, Hey, you can't like charging a cut of the game is one thing because I, that's the fee to sell on your platform, but taking a cut of the things that are sold within the game, that's not you. That's our, that's our money. Just the way like Amazon or eBay or whatever. But the fact that they're fighting to like have their own, if I'm understanding correctly, like you, 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 brought up the like steam the the software client am i misunderstanding like the extent that apple or that epic wants to take this lawsuit or is it essentially just fighting to not be charged for in-game purchases i think those are both the same thing though i don't think it's ever going to be a thing where apple says you know we're not going to take a 30 percent cut from the app store anymore it would just be you can launch from your own store if you want and by all means, go do that. We won't promote it or whatever, and it won't be built into the phone, which is already kind of shitty. Like, because part of the the lawsuit that Epic made was saying for the Google side of things, because they're also they have a lawsuit against Google. I think they have less of a chance of winning against Google because you can just download apps from wherever on Google. It's more like you know a real computer where you don't have to download everything from the Windows Store just because you have a Windows operating system. So with Google, like I can go and download an APK of whatever app I want and I don't have to go through the Play Store and I don't have to give Google money if I want to pay a developer for a product, you know. So I think that's the end goal for Apple. But part of the lawsuit against Google is that Epic said, hey, we made this deal with OnePlus, which is a um, developer or a manufacturer of smartphones, and they would have bundled our Epic Store or, you know, the Epic Launcher onto their phones but Google blocked it. They said that we cannot do that because we're not operating under the same rules as the other Play Store things. But it's like you allow, you know, these like shitty other, like if you look at any Android phone, depending on where you buy it from, you know, Verizon has their own software that they they want to have come preloaded or it's like comes with this Madden thing because they want you to, or like an NFL app because they have these deals. It's like an advertising platform. It's like the same when you buy a TV. It comes with a bunch of like preloaded kind of smart apps if you have a smart TV. So they're saying that they lost out on money because of that. Like they had this deal in place, but Google blocked it because they're the platform holder and they decided unilaterally that that wasn't allowed. And there is something to say about Google's sort of built in things with Android where it's very sort of, I don't want to say like fear mongery, but it's sort of like every time you download an APK, it's like, warning this could be a virus so they get they basically red lights start flashing and your phone is like oh my god what did i download so because obviously you know it's the same with like windows alerts where you download something it's like are you sure you want to run a dot exe it's like yes motherfucker i'm not you know a boomer trying to operate this computer but like it's a safety thing but also <laughs> it's like it, it could be seen as being dissuasive and trying to promote the play store which that is not you know the monopoly that iphones have on their side of the fence so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. And I think it kind of plays into just DRM in general and the DMCA and how awful that's been and just backwards and something that was decided in the late nineties to benefit the music and movie industries, but not the actual consumers of those products. And it's just kind of, it's kind of just boiling up into this one sort of thing to the point where Microsoft is like, 
defending Epic in their suit against Apple, even though you could almost defend, you could almost say, hey, Epic could make the same suit against Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo. Like, hey, why can't I sell my games on the Nintendo Switch? Why can't I sell my games on the Microsoft uh, Xbox, on the Sony PlayStation 4? And why do I have to pay them the fees? Why do I have to give them 30% of every game I sell? So it's kind of interesting, and uh, it's a lot to think about. It's sort of where do you fall on it, and what do you think is the right thing to do? Because people are talking about, like, oh, because they fall to TOS, they broke the TOS, so yeah, they can get yanked off the service. It's like, well, unjust laws are meant to be broken so that the new laws can be written, even if that's a corporate sort of terms of service. I mean, it's still, like, the law in which that you're operating in that in that field. Yeah. So... It's kind of interesting. Well, yeah, Epic, you fucking, you broke the rules, so you're suffering the consequences, but also, hey, Apple, guess what? You're getting fucking sued, and it's going to cost you probably hundreds of millions of dollars or more to fight this thing, although that's that's no skin off of Apple's teeth. I mean, it's nothing off of their back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tim Cook, if you're listening. Two trillion dollar company. Yeah, if you want to make an investment in, I do a lot of things. I can do a lot of things, whatever you want to do. Uh Mostly a donation. Have my people, your people, reach my people. My people will give you some information, namely my you know, routing number and bank account, and you can just send me $10, $1,220 million, whatever you want. Um, yeah, I think I think we're all rooting for Epic, even though Epic has done a lot of shady stuff of their own. I think just the precedent that I could set is not only important for like a lot smaller developers who this would benefit, and, and smaller startup companies, but just, again, being consumer-friendly practice. Although, you know what, fucking Epic, what they would do is they would win this lawsuit, and then they would just start selling the shit for the same $10, except they're taking home 20% more of the cut. Which you know, So it may not really end up benefiting consumers in the long run anyway. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because Epic isn't the only company that would be able to benefit from this. That's you know, true. There's plenty of indie developers that it's not like the App Store is doing everyone a favor. You know, they're not actually doing the best job servicing, you know, content that people want or the apps that people want. Like there could be, you know, if there's room for competition, that would give Apple a great reason to improve their own services. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anything else on that that we uh, that we skipped over? Just some people doing the, the funny, you know, usual hand wringing of like, oh, Fortnite is making propaganda to have kids be rooting for them and they're. They're weaponizing their fan base by creating a hashtag. It's like, welcome to 2020, bro. Whatever. Yeah, I cry about that once you start crying about Joe Biden making fucking the QR codes for f- signs to put in your Animal Crossing village. Like, whatever. It's all just, it's this, it's this social media at work. Yeah, this is the, the beast we've created. I thought, personally, a lot of people being like appalled that they did the, the 1984 parody commercial. They're like, how would they, you know... 1984 is such an important literary work. It's like the original commercial was an advertisement played during the Super Bowl, the most consumer like heavy thing yeah, yeah. in existence. What a fucking and joke. Was, like they don't even understand the concept of parody. It's the really sanctity. Funny. The sanctity of my Orwell novel. Jesus. Goodness. It's like, <laughs> or maybe there's some irony to be found here. Maybe something a little prescient that we should possibly pay attention to, perhaps. Nah, they just want to justify their support of a $2 trillion company without seeming like a capitalist. (laughs) Exactly. Let's chat about Microsoft for a little bit here. 
there are prices and release dates right for next gen so god i just have so many thoughts about about this next gen and what's going to happen how that's going to affect the games for the next generation and we, we're finally seeing sony and microsoft there's finally this divergence between the two where they're not just doing the same thing and playing tic-tac-toe, you know what I mean, by generation. Sony is doubling down on the console model where we're going to make a console, we're going to make games for that console, and you're going to buy those things. Xbox has, has gone all in on, we don't care what you play it on or how you get it. Whether you buy the game, whether you buy the game on the store, whether you subscribe and you download the game, whether you're streaming the game to your phone... We don't care. We don't care if it's on your fucking laptop or if it's on your fucking desktop or whether it's on an Xbox One or it's on Xbox Series S. We don't give a shit. Those are two very different philosophies. And I think there are pros and cons to both. But it's been interesting to see despite... And maybe I'm, I'm overstating how important that divergence is for both companies. But it's been interesting to see this um, game of chicken between the two companies of not wanting to release too much information you know, as far as specs go. So we're not having this comparison between the two companies you know we still don't have a ps5 price we just got an xbox price because it, it the xbox one s officially released or xbox series s officially leaked and with prices for both consoles so xbox in the middle of the night basically just tweeted at like midnight and confirmed like yep while we're here you know and it's, it's true <laughs> right and so i gotta say dude the, the the xbox social media team killing it lately yeah, they've had to. I check in uh, every once in a while, and 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 yeah, they're they're doing they're doing some good stuff here. But break down for me, if you will, what what these leaks were. Give us some prices, and then I'm gonna try and not go on a, a PlayStation Sony rant. I'm gonna try to sure. keep it under control. <laughs> so the Series S, which was the long rumored since early 2019, I believe, before uh, Anaconda even had a name, before you know. The series were were named such. Series S was the the smaller, more affordable, uh, lower power, no disk drive version of the next gen from Xbox. So the Series S image of the console leaked clearly taken. It was like screenshots from like a commercial kind of thing, and this included a date and a price. So the cheaper version of the Xbox next gen is three hundred dollars. And then the big beefy boy is uh, is sitting at $500. And the Series S is less powerful than the One X, which was the upgrade model of the Xbox One. But it does still take uh, advantage of the newer generation GPUs. So it does still have the option to do hardware-based ray tracing and uh, variable rate shading, variable refresh rate, 120 hertz, all these kinds of fancy things. I'm assuming it's got like deep learning um, super sampling, which is technology that NVIDIA has been really touting for the past six months or so. I'm guessing the new AMD cards are going to be doing something similar. So you're going to be having a better upscale than like what PS4 Pro currently does, which is, I'm not a big fan of the checkerboarding, um, but the deep learning uh, super sample is pretty cool actually going from like a 1080p image and going up to 4K and it's still looking like pretty good considering, especially if you have the more frames to deal with because it's sort of a composite of the prior frames and then upscaling and making things look really nice and crisp. Obviously not better than native 4K, but pretty comparable, honestly. But there are diminishing returns at a certain point, and so many people don't even have TVs that that or monitors that even support some of this stuff. But it, sure. we, we should note a couple things. One, the Xbox Series S does not have a disk drive. True. 
Yes. Similar to what PlayStation. So they, I think they really want to push that though, because that means they're getting a lot more of the the dollars from digital sales. Right. Like by promote by not having the option to have a physical library, then you're only doing a digital library. So I'm sure Microsoft loves that. I wish they could have gotten this to 199 or, or 249. I, I like I just 300 is just it already exists, and they say oh it's next gen, but when you factor in things like we're not going to be able to take as significant a leap as we even did from PlayStation three to PlayStation four, which wasn't even that significant. It's been so incremental that to say, Oh, next gen, it, it just, it feels very flimsy being on the newer generation, uh, GPUs and having a much better CPU than what the, the baseline Xbox one and PS four had at launch, I think makes it a lot more feasible for it to be playing, you know, very good versions of new games. Sure. Yeah. And that, that's true. Um, but it definitely, it definitely creates this disparity where like the one, uh, the series X, what a fucking ri- ridiculous naming conventions, just ridiculous. But the series X is, is very, very powerful. That is a beef daddy console. I seriously thought for a while that the PS5 and series X were going to be a $600 device based on like the SSD technology alone. Like they must be they must be making quite a few of these things to make it feasible for them to sell them for that cost. Do not be surprised if if the PlayStation ends up being five ninety nine. It'd be ridiculous. I would I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I already think that uh, they're going to be under. I think they're going to be trying to make a profit on the disc version, and I think they're going to be taking a loss on the discless version. Sure, the Xbox Series X is supposed to be native four K sixty. That's Yes. Target for everything. And the, the Series S is supposed to be target 1440p 60. So the idea is not that you're going to have two versions of the game in the sense that the difference between a game on a PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo Switch, those are very different versions. There's a lot right. that has to go into porting that, that it doesn't in just include higher resolution textures. Yeah, because of the neutered CPU, GPU, and RAM, and everything. Like the, the IO, everything is very different in those kind of situations right so on 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 the xbox games it's literally it's not even going to be like the difference between like theoretically it's going to be even easier than the difference between a P- ps4 and a ps4 pro it's going to be easier for developers to just crank the sliders and say all right we're going to output at high resolution but you're essentially getting identical games just with a you know obviously a different target resolution so that's cool like that's a great idea i don't know I mean, four ninety nine for the Xbox. It, looking at the specs, dude, it's really powerful. And the PlayStation is much less powerful. And I don't know how much of a factor that's going to be for people, or how that's going to impact sales. But I can tell you, it it irks me. Yeah, I wonder. If, I wonder how much it's going to even affect like video game fidelity. If they're going to be like, hey, check out our load speed being twenty percent faster on PS five versus our fourteen forty checker box upscale to 4k versus native 4k on the xbox series x and does this matter on your 1080p television or what the market even looks like for 4k users if that's like a selling point that matters or i i think really it's going to come down to the dollars and how much the ps5 costs and if it's going to be that and like just the 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 array of Sony first party, I think is the the main thing. And also whatever deals that they make, because they still have a marketing deal with call of duty. So whenever you see a call of duty commercial, you're going to see the Sony logo. 
and you're going to be seeing that sold to you on the PS5, even though it's going to be available everywhere. So I wonder how much that matters and what that even looks like in a in a launch year because launch lineups are always garbage. Like, look at the PS4 launch lineup. What the fuck were you playing on that thing for the first six months? You know, like nothing. You're playing Black Flag and like, wow, it's in 1080p now. <laughs> this is the thing. The, the, the different approach from both from both companies now. I try to think about this from the average consumer's perspective. Like I try not to think about I mean the way I, I think about games and maybe the way you think about games is different than than what the average mom or dad or the the average twenty year old kid with some expendable income. Like a lot of people just want to play they want to play their Call of Duties and you know maybe you have someone who wants to play their gears, maybe you have someone who wants to play their Spider Man or whatever it is, right? The price for Sony is going to be crucial, and they're lucky that Xbox did it first. Uh, with, I guess they were forced to, because well, there are two things: is one, knowing how much less powerful the PlayStation Five is, if you price it at four ninety nine, how how do you justify that the Series X versus the PS Five? Can you just say, oh, well, you get Spider Man and fucking Horizon on PS Five? Is that enough to justify the extra cost? So then. The next question is, well, they could just go crazy and say, fuck Microsoft, we're going to sell it for 250 which is like not going to ever happen. But then there's sort of this reverse psychology thing where like, okay, they're going to sell it for really cheap to undermine uh, Microsoft to erase whatever edge they might have in this new approach they have with selling consoles and making games available on, you know, f- essentially f- with PC. Everything. Or, yeah, every five consoles. X Cloud. Right. <laughs> six, six platforms. Right. So do they just say, fuck it, and we're going to sell this thing at a massive loss, but we're going to sell 100 million consoles in the next two years? Maybe that's unreasonable to even think. But And if they even have the, the throughput to even make that many consoles for it to matter. And you can't make a console more expensive, so they'd rather probably start out high and then do a price cut in a year when there's more available and they want to really boost the sales. Well, so this is, this is Sony's currently problem. This is currently their problem. And this is, again, I think you can probably attribute to their hubris of thinking they own the generation. This has happened every generation. Whoever wins the generation, it's usually by a a fucking country mile. And then they have this fucking hubris that leads to them to, whether it's Nintendo, you know, um, with the Wii U thinking, well, we're going to ride high on the Wii name. Well, that didn't work. Or Or it's PlayStation thinking... Hey, we sold 180 fucking million units. Let's just slap a $600 price tag on this thing and we're going to sell gangbusters because we're PlayStation. That failed. Well, there was Xbox who thought they could come in with all their DRM bullshit thinking, well, we own the last generation. They're going to eat up whatever we give them. Well, that didn't fucking work. So I think, I don't know if this is hubris on their part thinking, well, you know, because they had to have known what Microsoft was doing with their consoles. They had to have known. So for them to come out and say, all right, we're going to give you a console that's half as powerful, but we're going to charge you just as much. But hey, Spider-Man, that's going to fail. And if they come out and say, well, not fail maybe in the sense that it, you know, it's not going to be a Wii U, but they're going to get beat by Microsoft. If they come out and say, all right, we're just going to undermine Microsoft and say, fuck them. Here, come buy the PlayStation 5 for, you know, $249 or even $299. If they sell the PlayStation 5 and it's competing against Xbox's perceived like lesser console... I think there's going to be this reverse psychology where people will say like, is it less powerful? Why is it cheaper than their, their cheap machine? Like, and people are going to suddenly under or devalue it in their minds. Yeah. The perceived value. Right. Right. And that, that will be a big problem for them. Like, well, why I'll just, I'll just buy the Xbox then. 
Yeah, and we don't really know much about what Sony's even planning on doing to sell their consoles besides their weird sort of sign-up lottery pre-order for a pre-order kind of thing that they did a few weeks ago. But I think something that cannot be emphasized enough is how cool it is that Microsoft is doing something similar to a phone where you can pay monthly. And they're doing that not just from Microsoft stores, but they're doing it through like all the major retailers, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, even GameStop. For as long as they're around, you can sign up and spend $25 a month to get your your cheaper Xbox and pay it off in two years and have Game Pass Ultimate that entire time. So you're playing a huge library of games and they just teamed up with EA. So you're getting all the EA games too. That's on their EA access plan. And it's just, I think that's a really appealing thing for someone who's just trying to like get in early and just wants to not drop, you know, $600 on both, you know, a console and hardware to go with it, you know, extra controller an extra game. Like you're not spending $500 at launch for a $500 console. You're spending at least $700 if you want to get some things to go with it, which you do. <laughs> and for a penny and for a pound, $25 a month. Is that for the Xbox Series X? That's for the Series S. Series X is $35 a month. So for the Series S with Game Pass, $25 a month, which is very affordable, that's $600 over over 24 months, right? With Game Pass Ultimate, which is uh, $15 a month standard. Right. So that's less than the price of the console in Game Pass Ultimate over that time. Significantly less. Right. Which you have to qualify for, but I haven't seen like what the qualifications are as far as getting that because it's like a loan sort of treatment. You know, it's a, I can't remember what it's called, but I haven't looked too much into it, but like for people who qualify, like, yeah, I think that's a really good way of going about it. That's really cool. It's a contract term. I mean, people, how many people buy their phone outright? And also part of the phone thing is I think consumers since the last consoles have come out, not only, you know, iPhones were already a thing, you know, smartphones were already a thing in 2013 when the new consoles came out, but I don't think people were like as indentured into the, the cycle of you know waiting every two years to get your upgrade and then moving on to the next phone you know putting up with your old slower phone for for a year when you probably would have bought it yearly if it was affordable but because it's not you're going every two years and you're paying it monthly and you're sort of like stuck in that sort of loop and i wonder if through the advent of that and also everyone having a netflix subscription everyone having a hulu subscription if people are sort of ready for the subscription of paying off your device is sort of just like part of the mindset and if that would really slot in easier or if people are still like waiting for the the $700 you know end of November big splurge purchase and just like having that warm gooey afterglow that you feel after you make that kind of big purchase if that's what people want or if people want to do the, the monthly thing and actually you know the way they buy everything else nowadays. Something to consider and we've talked about it before but dude there are a lot of very poor people in America. Yes, the majority of people. <laughs> yeah, it, that gap's only growing. And we're coming uh, off of the initial COVID hit and we're, we're falling from a recession into a depression. And the idea that, oh my God, come Christmas time, I can't buy my kids an Xbox for $500 because the world's falling apart. Guess what? Saying, I can scrap together $25 a month for the next two years to get this console for my kid that he's going to play for five, six, seven years. Like that is so appealing. I mean, I might get a I might get a, a fucking Xbox One X for thirty five bucks a month with Game Pass Ultimate just to like just to try it out. Yeah, you're not necessarily the target market for that that console though, because don't you had a One X, right? No, I had a I just had an Xbox One and then I got a One S for really really cheap. 
couple years ago, okay. which I've both sold since. I sold both of those. I don't own right. an Xbox anymore. Uh, another thing, just sort of side tangentially, uh, they're upping the price for the Game Pass on PC, which is kind of a bummer. They're yeah. out of beta soon, so I was paying five bucks a month for that, which was really nice. That's going up to ten. Yeah, unless they fix their fucking app, it is not worth ten dollars a month. Five dollars a month has been fine. Yeah, the app's a bit of a bummer too. The games on PC are not a very compelling collection, and they rotate games out so quickly. It's a pretty good collection, honestly. Like, I've downloaded more games that I've played. I think there's still like a, a pretty good selection. If they could have parity between the two, if you could have every game that's on console on PC and vice versa, I think way more be a lot appealing. Better, but yeah. I understand that not every game that's on Xbox is on PC as well. And, you know, the other way around, you're not exactly going to be playing RTSs on a, on a console anytime soon. Xbox Game Pass on console is really cool. If you're a kid, if you're a high school kid, if you're even a poor college kid, or if you're just someone who just wants to play a lot of games and experience a lot of games, I think they do a really good job selecting what titles to put on the service as well. It's not like PS Now where you're just getting a hodgepodge of like a bunch of crap you don't actually want to play. Right. I mean, you play everything from from The Witcher to to Halo to, you know, Minecraft to Civ to... Like, I don't think I've seen a single bad game on the service, honestly. Like, they're all, like, either not my type of game or interesting or really high-quality titles. Yeah. And now, with the EA stuff, like, you can go back and play fucking Battlefront 2 or whatever. <laughs> right. That is going to be interesting. They're incorporating the EA Play into into Xbox Game Pass. That service is a really good value. And again, for 25 or 35 bucks a month to get a brand new console on launch day with this insane service with I mean, you're going to have literally hundreds of games at your fingertips. That is incredible value. And like I said, that's even going to incentivize me just to like like just to fuck with it. Like, oh yeah, I want a fucking new console on launch day. I'll fuck with it. I'll play a couple of games on Game Pass. I'll sell the thing and pay it off and I've, you know, had that experience for $0. Or maybe it ends up being like just just over the course of the two years, it's like this is adding so much value and just having Games Pass available to me for cheaper than yeah, I would. It just ingratiates itself into your life, and you start you know you start to love the Xbox. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I will. But also, I'm a real big proponent of playing my games. I want to play the best version of the games that I can, and so this is why I. I part of me is like, well, why would I have a PlayStation if I can play PlayStation exclusives on my computer? With a fucking, you know, 3090 graphics card. Like, why would I need that? Which is why I think there's something to be said for the old console model where it's like you incentivize people to buy your product and you get a unique experience with that product. And I'm a fan of that. But also, if you're Microsoft, you know, I'm waiting to see like, all right, I have a really good computer, but I have a 1080 in my in my thing. Do I want to spend $35 a month on an Xbox One S for all my multi-plats that's going to outperform my PC potentially? Or do I want to spend $1,500 on a new graphics card I'll have to replace in three years? You don't have to spend $1,500 on a graphics card. I know we're not going to talk about it, but like, even if you got the 3070, that thing's going to piss all over your 1080. Well, yeah, this is true. That thing's 500 bucks, which is still comparable to a $500 Xbox that you can just buy a la carte. And also, I play my PC games like a console anyway. It's hooked up to my 1080p television. I sit on my couch and I play with the controller. And the only reason I didn't play games on the Xbox, I had bought an Xbox thinking all play exclusives, but then they came to PC. And the only reason I didn't play multi-plat games on Xbox the way I do on PlayStation is because the PlayStation was more powerful. We might get into this generation and there might not be a noticeable difference in fidelity or performance. You know, if, if Target is 4K 60 on these consoles... And you can have the most powerful console and still have that weird-looking enemy from Halo Infinite, right? So oh my it doesn't God. exactly matter if you have the most powerful console if developers aren't 
putting it to good use. Can I, okay, let me just say, Nick, Halo is a franchise. It's very, it's very important to the history of video games. It is important to the history of shooters. It is important to the history and uh, in, in, in having shaped, you know, competitive online multiplayer. It's important to the history of Microsoft being a video game company right. instead of just being a Windows company. Right. The same way Pokemon was instrumental in handheld games, gaming. you know, developed. How RPGs became popular in the West. Like, it's important. Just like Pokemon, Halo is not evolved at all. Halo is the same game. The difference being is, you know, Pokemon still sells like gangbusters to children, whereas with Halo, a lot of us see what we played 20 years ago and we say, this is not compelling anymore. Destiny is a better Halo game than Halo. You know what I mean? Call of Duty is a better Halo game than Halo. And so when they dropped this Halo Infinite fucking trailer, it looked horrible. It looked awful. This is next gen. You're trying to sell your next gen console and this game it looks like shit. And guess what? Halo, it plays like shit. It doesn't feel like a modern shooter. It's awful. It, it, the only reason it Halo sells anymore is because of nostalgia. Every other fucking shooter, Titanfall, is better than Halo. Every other fucking shooter out there is better than Halo. It's just nostalgia. It's the name. You know what I mean? Just the way that God of War was a better Zelda game, but Zelda's going to keep selling because Nintendo. The difference with Halo being, if they're just going to rest on their laurels here, and I mean, thankfully the game got delayed because they heard the outcry of like, yo, this game looks like shit. But like, I don't understand what compels people to want to even play the game. It's the worst shooter you can fucking buy mechanically. Like, it's just not fun to play. And like playing the Master Chief Collection, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. You know, playing Halo Reach. Oh yeah, I remember this. Although to be fair, Reach feels the most like a modern shooter, and not so coincidentally was also the best Halo multiplayer they've ever had. But I don't understand the appeal of Halo. It has not gotten better, dude. I've played all of them to some extent. They have not gotten better. They feel awful now. Oh, I, I just, and maybe I'm being hyperbolic or maybe I'm just being a stick in the mud, but like it makes me mad to play Halo because I'm like, this is not how a shooter should feel in 2020. And so maybe they fixed some of that in the new game, but like based on that trailer, that was real fucking rough, dude. That looked like an upscaled original Xbox game. The main problem that newer Halos have had is that they try to play like a modern shooter, and it's not supposed to play like a modern shooter, it's supposed to play like Halo. And that's like, I guess you don't, you don't, ha you don't have to like Halo and that's fine. But like, I prefer the way that shooting feels in Halo one and two than I do in any newer shooter. Like, I don't like the way that acceleration feels in console shooters for the most part. I haven't really, I haven't played any, uh, Titanfall, but like, I guess call of duty, I played a lot of modern warfare three and that was like fine, but it didn't feel like the same because you know, you're playing with like all these like realistic kind of guns and it's all hit scan stuff. So like, that's, like, a completely different vibe than, you know, running around dual-wielding a Needler, and it's more just, like, exploding, sort of capturing the vibe of the 90s, but happening in the 2000s, and that was a lot of what Halo was, was sort of taking the, the vibe of, like, Unreal Tournament and uh, Quake and slowing it down, but making it feel just so good, and... I guess that's like the the thing I would want to do is like I don't want to be comparable to like other current day shooters. I don't need a run button in Halo. I don't need to aim down sights in Halo. I just need to fucking gun around and kill elites with a fucking lightning sword, you know? <laughs> I mean, I understand that and I think there's a way you take that feel and bring it into 2020. Like for me, them showing it's like open world and there's like a map. I was like, oh God, why? Like don't make this far cry. It was pretty disheartening to see. Give me some tunnels and some like one-liners. Give me, let me give the Covenant back their bomb. 
You know, it's time to finish the fight. They lost everything when they lost Bungie. Like, that's not Halo anymore. It's like a weird facsimile of what it used to be. 3 for 3 has never made a good game. (laughs) Meanwhile, Destiny is doing gangbusters. But Destiny is also missing the one thing that Halo did good, which was like bombastic, over-the-top, corny sci-fi story. Sure. Destiny has just a bunch of like proper nouns, and I don't give a shit about any of them. I agree. That's not what it's for. It's like it's an MMO. You don't watch the cutscenes in World of Warcraft either. You're just trying to get through the raid and get the loot, get those purple drops, you know? Totally. 100%. To be fair, that's how I feel about Halo. Like, I don't know. I I played the first game a couple years ago. I don't know what the fuck happened. Halo rings, the guys are trying to kill things, and you got to save the ship or something, I think, right? Like, I don't know. I don't don't give a shit about the fucking story. I just want to play you Halo. You had to get the Pillar of Autumn because that was the only ship that you could take back from Halo. Okay. I'm going to fly off that thing with a fucking Stingray. You kidding me? I don't fucking know, dude. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about right now. So the story is not a, a compelling part of it for me. Like, I want to feel like I want to play. I like the idea of playing something more arcadey, like you said, kind of bring in the that feel of that 90s PC shooter. You don't have the, ex- you don't have the attention span for a, a sci-fi kind of story anyway. I, like, what's the one sci-fi movie you've liked? Arrival? Did you well, like Arrival? I fucking, you think Arrival is the one sci-fi movie I didn't like. Okay, you don't like sci-fi as a thing. I love reading fantasy, and I love watching sci-fi. So you like Blade Runner? I am not a fan of Blade Runner. So you don't like sci-fi? That's fine. Well, I guess to find sci-fi. Not Star Wars. <laughs> no, no, sci-fi, that's, that's, Star Wars is just fucking bad fantasy in space. I really like Live, Die, Repeat. I really like Ex Machina. Live, Die, Repeat was an action movie, wasn't it? It's like Terminator. You like Terminator? That's an action movie you like, right? Maybe maybe T2. <laughs> oh, okay. Some deep sci-fi like like Avatar. Oh my God, dude. I know that's a fantasy movie. <laughs> sci-fi wannabe sci-fi trappings, but it's a fantasy movie. It's, it's fantasy in space. <laughs> exactly. It's Yeah, it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> yeah, Arrival. I had, I had some issues with that movie. I more had issues with how people thought it was the best fucking sci-fi movie that's ever been made, and it was like another one of those, like, I don't know if this is the best sci-fi movie that came out this year. To go on the record, I liked Arrival. I wasn't, like, enamored with it. I liked it. That was very enjoyable. I liked Blade Runner 2049. Very enjoyable. See, I haven't seen the new Blade Runner. Like the OG Blade Runner as well. I haven't seen Live, Die, Repeat, but it sort of seemed like just, like, an Emily Blunt, Tom Cruise action movie with, like, some trappings of, like, uh, what's the a premise, right? <laughs> sort of like yeah. Minority Report, but not based on a. Was it based on a book? I don't even know. Um, well, it's the reason no one saw Edge of Tomorrow was because it just looked like a generic Emily Blunt, you know, Tom Cruise action movie. But no, the whole Groundhog Day, like the way the mechanics work with the aliens, were was totally fucking cool. Criminally under fucking. Well, it's not underrated. Everyone who watched it is like, this is phenomenal. Um, why did no one watch this? But I just watched uh, Interstellar couple weeks ago um for the first time in like five years i don't love nolan movies they're very watchable but god they need to shut the fuck up sometimes yeah the exposition can be a lot but that's what i appreciate about nolan movies is that he can take really difficult concepts and make it easy for someone like my dad to watch or easier i guess he's the only one in hollywood who can sell those ideas to uh, studio executives and also mass markets Right. So props to him for that. Yeah, yeah. It's but anyway, as far as Interstellar props goes, to that millionaire. <laughs> I think Interstellar is probably the best Nolan movie, and there's so much there on a rewatch. And my problem with my beef with Arrival, well, besides the fact that Amy Adams is like 
really, really hard to watch. Uh, it was almost the opposite of the Nolan thing, where like they weren't. It seemed to jump around so much without enough detail as to far as far as what's happening. It's this very broad sort of thing, and then at the very end, it's like this weird Deus Ex Machina slash like self fulfilling prophecy. It was just so poorly done. I was like, Nolan's movie is another movie where like Interstellar was. Kind of had the same ending, the self-fulfilling prophecy. Because initially when I saw the movie, I had a problem with that. I was like, ah, that's kind of a buzzkill of an ending after like what was really a phenomenal lead up to it. But when I watched it again, no, this really works for me. You start to pick up on some of the nuances throughout the movie and the, and the seeds he was planting. This wasn't a deus ex machina like out of nowhere. Like this was very deliberate and it was actually kind of really cool. It's not one of those movies where like you have to really be paying attention to every little bit of exposition or you're going to miss something. And that can be frustrating in a Nolan movie. He loves that. He loves old British guys. You can't quite understand what they're saying in the movie. And you got to turn subtitles on because if you don't, it just kind of sounds like, oh, you're talking like this. You don't know what I'm saying right now, do you? So, you know. I guess looking back on it, the thing I didn't like so much about Interstellar, besides it being the hokiest fucking ending of all time, and it just deviating completely from sci-fi into like weird romantic sci-fi fantasy was nobody had anything to do except for Matthew McConaughey. Everyone was like a tertiary character. There was no like <laughs> secondary protagonist, I guess. It was just really like kind of weird looking back on it. I can't remember like what did uh, I can't even name, name the other actors like uh, Ron Howard's daughter was his daughter or something, but didn't do anything have like a plot line where she had to like get out of the house because it's too dusty or whatever. No, uh, but I'm your go- I'm your ghost Murph or whatever. <laughs> it, 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 she becomes sort of that second protagonist that we're cutting back to in the second half of the movie, but it took too long to get back to but her. But then there's the other actress that's like on the spaceship with Matthew McConaughey. Anne Hathaway. I can't remember her name. Yeah, Anne Hathaway. She didn't do anything at all in the movie. Matt Damon didn't do anything at all in the movie except be an asshole for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there was no other, there was no characters. I mean, Matthew McConaughey had like a great performance and like I I liked him, I guess, as being like the, the hokey astronaut guy. Like I'm just a farmer astronaut who understands love. You know, it's just so dumb. <laughs> I would encourage <laughs> you movie. To, to watch that movie again. But... Anyway, I don't know how anyway, we got Anyway, Halo, right? Yeah, Halo sucks. <laughs> Halo fucking sucks. And Halo Infinite looks like shit. And it's a good thing they delayed it because even Halo fans were like, yeah, nope. <laughs> so, you know, that's probably a good call on their part. God, I really need Cyberpunk to be good. I think it's going to be okay. The writing sounds really bad from everything I've seen. Like, it's very much like a, like a parody of 80s cyberpunk vibes well, it's not trying you know. to be a parody but it feels very contrived it reads like one it sounds like a bad mad max fan fiction well, parody implies it's intentional maybe a maybe it's like a, a caricature a poor you know facsimile a caricature is much more intentional than a parody i think because a parody can be a bad parody and it's like that's the vibe i'm getting is that it's like a it's like Someone's trying to go for a vibe, but it's not quite hitting it. Well, you can be an unintentional caricature. Parody is a deliberate thing, and they're trying to make this very serious and dark and gritty and cool, but it just seems a little ridiculous. Are they? I feel like nine times out of ten, their their uh, trailers are like coming off of a cool joke, like they're going for the Guy Ritchie kind of like serious but not serious dark comedy kind of vibe. 
Like we're a Grand Theft Auto, but better. That's the vibe I'm, I'm getting. Like they're trying to be like Grand Theft Auto, but it's in first person and also the future. And I'm sure like ten percent of it will hit, but I feel like it's going to be a lot of like very cornball kind of shit. Which whatever, because I'm not going to get this game either way. Like it's not for me. But sure, sure. But it's for eighty percent of the industry or fans of the industry. So I, you know, I, I have faith in CD Projekt Red. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, they've made exactly one good game. The first two Witcher games sucked. They were PC games for PC gamers. So they suck. But PC yeah, gamers loved them. <laughs> but The Witcher was phenomenal. Down. The Witcher just did everything right. And yeah, I, I want this game to be good. The world interests me. I, now I'm rethinking all the trailers I've watched and all those moments. And I'm like, oh no, are they trying to be GTA? It's GTA with neon. <laughs> GTA doesn't work for other anything else. They have this very distinct brand of like meta raunchy humor that just fucking works while also still like you get invested in the characters and take it seriously as this high stakes adventure. I don't think cyberpunk is going to be half as self-aware as GTA is. And I think that's the main thing that's allowed GTA to stay relevant past GTA three is having like the, the high ridiculousness of like vice city. And they've sort of just rode that wave through four and five. Yeah. And I don't think cyberpunk has the the chops to to copy that. That's the vibe I'm getting at least. I think people are still going to love it and also people have very low standards when it comes to like writing and story when it comes to video games because you're just in the world for so long that it starts to just like not really resonate or uh stick out as much. But just from like watching trailers I can see that it's not going to be something that I want to be a part of, I guess. Yeah. S- stories in video games are so hard because we conventionally, uh, we typically think of these like a conventional story arc is is being this thing that you can't really achieve properly with all these intermittent, you know, sometimes hours and hours of of gameplay where like you can't really incorporate. And, and a lot of games have done great jobs of you know environmental storytelling and obviously you know, you know uh, just discovering you know notes and the whole Bioshock right, discovering the audio tape kind of thing is one way of. So, like, thinking, trying to recalibrate and think of storytelling and gameplay as being its own beast. It's not like a book or a movie, which is has a very conventional structure. And so, so I do disagree that, like, there, I think there have been plenty of games that have great stories and have been told in really interesting ways. But I agree that, like, there is also, there's way more shit out there than there is anything interesting or compelling. Games having good stories, it's always like a part of a game will have a good bit of a story. Like, I can't think of a game that, like, throughout the entirety of it was, like, a good story in the conventional sense because it's it, imperative that the user playing the game plays the game at the right way for the story to happen in a good way, you know, because pacing is so important for storytelling. So if you took, like, Breaking Bad, but every couple episodes, Jesse just sort of wandered around and, like, bumped into walls for an hour, that wouldn't be a good episode. But that's, like, what players do because they're looking for things. It's a very narrow way of looking at storytelling and video games have been trying to figure out how they circumvent that because you're right. Good storytelling in a video game is not just going from cutscene to cutscene and making cool cutscenes. That is that is a bad way to try and keep your audience engaged. Like that's the God of War method. Like let's just make cool characters and make the cutscenes really awesome. But then you go six hours without a cutscene and you're like, all right, I'm fucking over this. Something like The Last of Us 2, which despite having a lot of grievances with the story direction, every second of it was gripping. And and we talked about this on the last podcast, but just the way they tell that story, 
through the environment, through character interaction, through cutscenes, through you know exploration. I never once was like, okay, I'm ready for the next thing. Like it always felt like something new was happening. I was learning something new. I was discovering something new. It didn't feel like I was wandering around aimlessly. And this is why I think stories in open world games, like when you're playing Skyrim, no one talks about fucking Skyrim as having a great story. I don't even know what the story is in Skyrim. I have no idea. No one's ever talked about the story in Skyrim. <laughs> you're, you're a superhuman, the only human with the ability to kill dragons, and dragons are back suddenly, and you got to kill the dragons. No one cares about the story. Like, there are these little moments of, like, like, plot happens with some interesting characters on these disparate missions, but, like, nobody plays Skyrim because they want a cool story, and that's the problem with, like, you know, I think The Witcher actually did really well was bridging those moments of exposition, um, but part of that is also, like, the difference between an open world game where you make your own character and an open world game where you're playing as an established character. And there's so much more a studio can do when you're playing as one character or a set. Like in The Witcher, you play a few different characters, but they are, you're not creating your own character. You have, you have someone who's voiced and who has this arc written for them. And so that makes everything you do in the environment services like the world they've built around the character or for the character, I guess. And so, yeah, I agree with what you're saying when you say, Pacing is really important to a story, but um, I try not to think of stories or video games like movies. They're very, very different. But pacing is uh, necessary for any storytelling medium, and the more agency you give a viewer or a person who is engaging with your story the opportunity to do whatever they want. I've said it many times before, choice is the enemy of good storytelling. This is why like The Last of Us works so much better as a story-driven experience is because you don't have those endless options. Level design is very concise. The first one has, I mean, the first one's very 2012 or whatever, right? But the new one especially, I mean, the levels are very concise and well-designed. If only it was a better game in between cutscenes. <laughs> I might have gotten further in the first one. Uh, the first one was right. The first one was one of those games where I just, I was dying for that next cutscene. I was like, let's go. I just need to know what's happening so I can stop playing this game. The Last of Us 2 was, was it was almost the opposite. Not the opposite. I, I loved everything. Every cutscene felt, it was like, okay, this is perfect timing. And they were all great. And the characters are, you know, good. And, and the performances are phenomenal. But I actually, despite my horror, I fucking hate horror games. Uh, the stress they caused me. Every moment in the world was like, paid off for me. Which I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even tell you one section of the first game that I didn't hate. It was strictly just to get from moment to moment with the characters, which is not how you want people playing your game. Well, I guess it depends on like the scope of the thing that you're trying to go for. Like to bring this back to what we started from with like Halo, like something I really liked about the original Halo games was it was at that sort of point where I don't think there was pre-rendered cutscenes in the first game. I think it was all just in character, like in engine models and stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't like this huge bombastic, like, you know, blur fucking cutscene that you're watching that took you out of the game. Like it was, in service of the what you're going to be doing. Like the first cutscene ends with uh, Keys giving you his gun and saying, it's, I don't keep it loaded. You have to find some on the way. And that sends you on your trip to got, getting some ammo and then like shooting some enemies in hallways until you're off the ship. And then you get your next cutscene. And like the cutscenes were more of like a reward and like a pacing thing of like, okay, you just finished a difficult, you know, ideally you want your line of action to be going up as the level goes onward and then it ends and you get a cutscene as you like your reward and your moment of respite. And for something is like very uh, bombastic and just sort of like 
explosions and cool lines that Halo is. Like it's it's sci-fi in like the books, but from like the video game perspective, it's sci-fi in service of just showing action set pieces and like the last level being the the warthog escape trying to get to the 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 spaceship so that you can fly off the exploding fucking halo ring that's that actually a super weapon designed to destroy this alien parasite that the religious zealot aliens are trying to bring back because they've been tricked by this you know sentient ai like it's just very you know high concept easy to understand stuff but it just feels cool it makes you feel like a cool guy and that's like the point of the game is to make the player feel like a cool guy it's not to tell a story about the cool guy like you are the person inside the suit that's why they don't show his face so that you can be that guy that's called the legend of zelda approach yeah that's why <laughs> that's why link can't talk yeah uh, just as an aside i want to say that i'm i'm sure i'm confident that i have played worse games and worse levels in worse games than that final warhog escape but none of them so readily come to mind. That was the most aggravating. That was, in my mind, sticks out right now, is the worst level of any video game I've ever played. I was trying to control that piece of shit fucking Warhog. I love the way the Warhog controls. Fucking it feels awful. so good. I'd rather, I'd rather drive a Warhog than drive a car in like a driving game. You know what fucking Warhog feels like? It feels like Snake Pass. Where you're trying to control this the weird multi-axis two no, sticks. It controls like, like a person. Shit. You just push forward to go forward. You turn the stick to turn your character. It is the sloppiest, slippiest, slidiest thing. And you're trying to like make precision, like dodge things. And that was so cool also back then when like physics objects weren't weren't a thing. Like imagine physics objects in a game. That's like every game has them. But this is like the first game I ever played with use the Havoc engine. And you're like doing flips and stuff and like I th- it was so cool to like put someone on the back of the Warhog and then like throw a bunch of sticky bombs and blow that shit up and make it fly over like in the multiplayer maps and stuff. That was like hours of fun in and of itself, you know, back then, obviously. But you go back and look at it with your jaded 2020 eyes, or even your jaded 2019 eyes or 2018 eyes. I don't know when you fucking played the Master Chief Collection. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It doesn't have to be for you. Fuck you. You don't get Halo. You don't deserve it. You piece of shit, bitch. You stupid asshole. <laughs> if I never play Halo again the rest of my life, that's, my, that's kind of my point is like, yeah, those things were awesome 20 years ago, but they're not good today. And Halo is doing what Pokemon has done, which is just continue to make the same game and it gets worse and worse every year that it, that it comes well, out. Yeah, because they keep changing it. They, they haven't made the same game. They've, they've changed dev studios. They've tried to modernize it. Which they shouldn't do. They shouldn't try to modernize it. I, Keep oh, making I Halo. I think they should absolutely That's try fine. to modernize it. You would like Pokemon more if it was still a pixel art Game Boy game that had the same like Pokemon, the same mechanics, but it just looked like Game Boy Pokemon. You would probably like it. I no, I think that would make it. It would feel like more like a cheap ripoff to me because it's not the same game. It, that would be like oh, they're trying to really do the same thing. Like they're taking these half measures to try and make it seem like it's the next thing, but they haven't actually done any work to make it innovative. Like here's the thing about Halo. You can try and make it feel the way Halo should feel as a modern game without just copying Call of Duty controls, but they haven't done that. They've tried to modernize it, but it's, again, it's these half measures, and it's like, well, now no one's happy. If it, if it controlled the same as Halo, that would be bad in 2020. That's not fun. It's great if you have the nostalgia for it. Again, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. You're trying to look forward. You're trying to push forward and do something new and exciting. And I think obviously 343 has failed. Yeah, but why why make a worse Call of Duty if Call of Duty already exists? They have to make Halo its own thing. Why make why make another bad Halo? Exactly. They're not making they anyone happy. Making Halo. Right, which is why when we saw this fucking trailer, it was just like, oh, you guys are doing the same thing again? 
making a bad game that no one wants to play? Well, I mean, it would only be surprising if they made a good Halo. <laughs> no one was surprised by it looking mediocre at best. Because <laughs> that's what they've done for the past, like, three titles. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's my point. It's just like, I'm glad, I'm glad we're in agreement here. It's just like, rip Bungie, bro. They should just have Bungie make the next Halo. Microsoft's got more money than God. They can afford it. <laughs> Honestly, I would be really down. Like, Destiny, you know, it's had a good run. You've had five years. No, they can just keep making Destiny in, per- in perpetuity. Like, there's no reason for them to put out another skew of Destiny. Just keep making sick missions and stuff. They've got that China money. They can do whatever the fuck they want. They can just have 50 people keep working on that for the next 30 years. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Destiny players don't give a shit either as long as the guns are still cool. And you just shoot. Maybe they'll add a new race in like 20 years. Something they can't figure out how to do is just make new enemies. <laughs> Let's just reskin this one. Put it somewhere else. It's on the moon now. Hey guys, you want to go back to the moon? It's been it's been four years. <laughs> and it's funny because if you look at the original Halo games, like you see where the problems were. I know you were like, oh, well, your problem with um, Destiny is that it's just like, here's a couple of made up nouns and you're really just going out there to shoot shit. That was Halo. It's a bunch of, oh, okay, Halo rings, Warthog, I don't, okay, whatever. Just, I just want to be cool, the cool guy, like you said, and shoot things. Like, that same philosophy exists for Bungie. Like, that hasn't changed. And that's why Destiny, despite all of its promise, is not delivered on the narrative. But Destiny is bogged down by other stuff like a loot economy and having uh, different currencies. Like, there's dust and Engrams, and you have to talk to a shop guy, Eververse there's or something. A, there, like that, yeah, that's like there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to figure out. D- the different currencies is like you essentially have your fake money and your real money. Eververse is all for cosmetic in-game, real-life cash. Uh, you know, in-game cosmetic shit. But they also don't spend any time explaining that to you, right. especially now when you just boot up the game and you play a mission, and then they dump you on this, this like place where there's a bunch of vendors and then from there you try to figure out how to go on a mission and you don't go on a mission you just go to a place where the missions are happening apparently or you queue up for maybe missions or it's or it's pvp but i don't know or it's pve but you have to figure out how to get other people into your party and that's a huge nightmare if they they literally spend zero time explaining it to you i played that game <laughs> It's asinine. <laughs> Dude, it took me so long to get back into Destiny 2 and like figure shit out, especially considering how much shit changed from Destiny 1. And I only got good and figured out Destiny 1 is because I had a playgroup full of fucking people who they were just autistic about it and spent all their time on Wikipedia and you know played the game for hundreds of hours. So like, yeah, the onboarding is awful. But my point is, the stuff Bungie is good at, they are phenomenal at, and Destiny... Shows it with the best gunplay gun in the uh, industry. Exactly. So if they went back to a traditional campaign and they got, you know, like a ten, like five minute cutscene in between bespoke campaign missions and you just went to different places and did things, they would still be the fucking God tier best at it. But instead, they're, they're making a service game where they don't have the opportunity to do that because every time there's a cutscene happening and you're playing Destiny, nine times out of ten, you're playing with three other dudes who are just chatting in your ear because they've seen this cutscene 30 times. And you're not playing it just to play the campaign or do the multiplayer. You're playing just a, a loot grind. You're right. Just, you're on that. You're on that fucking uh, treadmill. I don't want Bungie just come and make another Halo game where the narrative doesn't matter and it's linear I do. and boring. <laughs> like, and I don't want them to just keep doing what they're doing with Destiny, where it's like we're playing Destiny because we want the loot shoot grind. 
Let us do cool missions. Let us grind for cool loot. Make it worth our time. Let us play with our friends. Make really cool events that we can all play together. Like that's the that's the loop we want. Don't give us any story if you're not going to do it right. If you can't find a goddamn writer or a company or a consultant who can come in and actually do a story in your fucking pseudo MMO properly, don't fucking do it. Likewise with Halo. Don't come in and and do this half-ass like just don't. Just come in and make a fucking linear shooter game with a bunch of like Titanfall 2's fucking campaign. The perfect Halo game. There's just no enough measures. There's just enough of like this is the bad guy. Here's the good guy. He's a robot. You're going to time travel now. Go. Just enough that you understand it. Nothing feels weird and obtuse. There's no like who is doing the thing to the what people on their ship with the this dangerous device. None of that bullshit. Here's a guy. Here's the bad guy. Here's your fucking robot. Go do some cool ass shit. Titanfall 2 is the perfect Halo campaign. I think Halo would benefit with a, with a, with a mech personally. Well, mech or not. I just mean... Like, yeah, get Bungie back because they have the best game, gunplay in the industry um, and pair him with a fucking company like literally anybody who has done this successfully. That is not Bungie or 343. Like, this shouldn't be rocket science, but it is apparently. But anyway, that's my Halo rant. We're going to wrap up here because we've been fucking on Skype for like fucking forever. I see I said Skype. See? These colloquial <laughs> isms that just... Just say Discord. <laughs> We've been on the Zoom call for so long. We've been FaceTiming for a hot minute. God damn. We've been map questing each other forever. God, let me get on AIM. MSN Messenger. I just realized that map questing joke isn't going to be funny because I'm cutting out the whole section where we talk about how those weird colloquial, the isms that stick in our brain are gone. So oh, well. anyway, this is Constant Crusade Podcast. We talk some stuff. Something we didn't talk about that I want to talk about next time. Dude, we got to get you to play Among Us just for a couple. It's so fucking fun with everybody. It's so infuriating. It's so simple. I don't like games where you have to lie to your friends. It stresses me out too much, and I don't have a good time. What other game? Okay. Fair. Like board games like uh, Mafia and like, not code names, but there was another one that we played at the beach that just stressed me the fuck out. I love that stress. The thrill of... It was like some spy game or something. I can't remember what it was called, but I hate it. Spy game. Is it Coup? Coup is fucking fun. You got to do a lot of lying in Coup. Might have been Coup. Stress me out. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. See, I love it. I love that thrill you get of like trying to deceive people without actually breaking relationships yeah, with your well, friends. That's because you're a sociopath who just loves any excuse to practice lying to your friends. Okay, that's fucking stupid and not true. I wouldn't know what's true, EJ. I can't tell. Well, how sweet. How sweet of you. <laughs> Constant Crusade Podcast. Give me a countdown. <laughs>